What's up, guys? Welcome to the Chaos Theory Podcast. I am your co-host, Ivan, a.k.a. Kinetic, and of course, I got my brother in crime here, Ken Chaos Villalobos. And man, we have a banger of an episode today. It's good to be back. I think this is going to be our very first three-hour episode, so I'll let Ken take it away. Welcome back, brother. I'm glad, glad you're uh, able to join us this time. Dude, I... I am frothing at the mouth right now. Uh, I've been salivating for a couple of weeks now to get this episode out into the air and get the perspective of a true OG of the fighting game community. Yeah, uh, we're not going to awesome. waste any time, guys. I hope you guys are doing good. I'm glad you guys have been enjoying the show. We're going to keep things up with my next guest, Mr. Joe Zaza, a.k.a. the low-tier godfather himself. <laughs> now, for those of you that... A lot of people have actually kept it, kept in... Uh, up to speed with Joe and, and what he's done for the community over the years. If you guys have never heard of Joe Zaza, I mean, you, you better get ready because he has seen and done it all in, in the fighting game community. And he's he's worn all kinds of hats from player to tournament operate, um, tournament organizer to host. Uh, he's done it all. And he's going to kind of fill us in on what it takes to wear all these hats. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows, folks. It takes a lot of work. It's it's a thankless job, and we're going to get to hear his side of the story. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Joe. What is happening, man? Thanks for joining us. How are you doing, Ken? Ivan, thanks for having me, you guys. Of course, man. It's doing, an honor. It, it definitely is, brother. Uh, the origins uh, for you, Joe, I know that it's going to take a while, so we're going we're gonna to jump right into things. Uh, before we get into that, uh, I, I did want to talk about the current state of, uh, of Marvel 2, since this is kind of like the... Our primary focus, right, which is Marvel's Capcom 2. Right now, we're pretty much just coasting. Um, everyone is is kind of chipping in and, and providing their, their own content for the community, whether it's the podcast, whether it's Twitch, uh, casuals. I mean, we're all just kind of in limbo right now. There's nothing really going on, tournaments, uh, money matches. It's all just kind of on cruise control for now. Yeah. Um, as far as what's ahead, I know that the Philippines is, is the, the talk of the town right now. Uh, a lot of people are gearing up for that. I'm not sure who's confirmed, but it is going to be interesting to see our best take on the Philippines' best. So that's that's something to look it's forward really to. exciting, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, Joe, we're going to get into it, man. I don't want to waste any time because I am fiending to hear about, about your knowledge, okay? Tell us how you got started in the fighting game community. Okay. Well, uh, I hate to go all the way back. I was born in 1980. Um I'm an Air Force brat. Hey. My father was in the Air Force, uh, raised in Washington, D.C., uh, until uh, he got stationed in El Salvador in Central America in the late 80s, which was war. Uh, the yeah. Cold War was ending, and uh, the uh, insurgency, which is now a political party out in El Salvador, the insurgency made its last stand once Soviet funding dried up, and we were right in the middle of that, my family. And when he was done with that assignment, he got his pick of reassignment in the United States. Right. And uh, we wanted to go back to the East Coast. We were going to go to New Jersey, but uh, as fate so had it, we ended up in Southern California wow. instead. And uh, he got stationed at March Air Force Base. It was an active duty base. Air Force means active duty. Now it's ARB, Air Reserve Base, because it changed over. Uh, in the mid-90s when it officially closed. So I was there in MoVal, Moreno Valley. And uh, Moreno Valley was an arcade town, man, like in the in the early 90s. Oh, wow. There was an arcade on <laughs> practically every corner. That's and sick. I didn't see Street Fighter 2. Um, I, I wasn't around for Street Fighter 1. 
you know, um, I was in El Salvador around that time. But my brother and I had been into video games, my brother Rick, uh, because at most Air Force bases, or I imagine uh, military installations, there's always like an ice cream shop or something yeah. uh, by the base exchange, and they always have video games. In Andrews Air Force Base in D.C., we saw, I think, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That was like one of the first arcade cabs that I ever saw oh, in nice. the Way mid-'80s. Back. And I saw Karate Champ in a little donut shop right outside the Andrews Gate in Morningside. And uh, is that is that the game that, that Frank Dukes plays in Bloodsport? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's double. It's double. There, there it's are no just buttons. two guys. Yeah, one guy in a red gi and then one guy in a uh, white gi. So and, and it's the, basically the pro- controls are two uh, two joysticks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The controls <laughs> were always interesting in the eighties arcade yeah. games, but uh, I remember uh, those were like Proto Ryu and Ken, <laughs> white gi and uh, red gi. And I didn't see Street Fighter 1. I saw Street Fighter 2 after we came to California. We went to Santa Monica Pier because my dad grew up in Santa Monica. And that's the first time I ever saw Street Fighter 2. My brother and I had been into beat-em-ups, like Double Dragon and Final Fight. Final Fight, for sure. Final Fight, yeah. And then finally, the cab for Street Fighter 2 came to the Dryer's Ice Cream Shop outside of the March Base Exchange. And that's when we started playing it. Uh, but we played it everywhere in Movell, everywhere. That's my brother and I were walking around, uh, literally walking. Uh, and there was always an arcade within walking distance back then. Now, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, you and Rick were r- really close in age. Was, yeah, he, yeah. was he older? He's Vaya's age. He's born in 78. Okay. Uh, just two years older than me. I see. So you guys were, I mean, the perfect, the perfect training partner. Oh, yeah. Both yeah. of you guys had the same the same. Yeah, I was same. fortunate to grow up with a sparring buddy. Yeah. Exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. So when did you start getting the feel for the competitive side of it? Where... So around 98. So we're fast forwarding because I, oh, I got yeah. to SoCal in, in 91. Okay. And we just we just kind of fucked with the game. You know, we didn't really play it competitively. Uh, we did against each other, but big fish in a small pond, you know. Yeah. So... Uh, we really didn't start competing with other guys until uh, we moved to Riverside for a little bit, and then we came back to Moval, uh, northern Moval. Uh, Moval's bigger than people think. It's, yeah. Yeah, and it's got its bad neighborhoods. It's got its good neighborhoods. But uh, we were in northern Moval, which was a nicer neighborhood, and we walked to a Brunswick bowling alley down the street, and that's when I started meeting the guys that would become Team Rico, Team Riverside County. And uh, they were, they weren't fucking around. <laughs> they were trying to whoop our asses, and we didn't have that much money. Like my mom, in Spanish we say "coldo," like she was cheap. Yeah, <laughs> she wouldn't get, she wouldn't give us any money. So we had to literally find change in the couch or in the car, and scrounge whatever we could get to make twenty five cents. And when we'd get our ass whooped, we our day ended. So we had to really uh, face that and get better. Yeah. I remember those days you had to make every quarter count, right? Oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to wait another like, yeah, no, you don't want to wait a whole another rotation. Exactly. So, so this, this is 98, you said, right? So you're already 18, you're already 18, you're out of high school. And there's gotta be a point where you went from the local arcades to 
big, big time, big time uh, right, right. scene. So there's a genesis scene. there. Uh, my brother was laying the seeds for that because um, this is my opinion. All right? okay. uh, if you were using the internet back in the 90s, you were kind of an egghead because not everybody knew how to fuck with computers. Like right. um, in the early 90s, you had to get on AOL, CompuServe, Prodigy. These are like really old internet service providers and they had bulletin board services, which is all character user interface. It wasn't graphic user interface with a mouse. You had to log in all of that stuff through the keyboard. And uh, my brother racked up like a $400 phone bill like in 1993. Oh. And oh, when he asked my mom permission to use it and they got pissed at him, but he didn't stop. Oh, <laughs> and shoot. so for me, I was like, I'm not fucking with the internet. I don't want to be the cause of anything like that. Right. Uh, and he persisted, uh, at home in school, he would go to college campuses, which had libraries that he could jump online with too. And he started getting into contact with the, the genesis of the FGC, which was, uh, again, bulletin board services, Usenet, alt games, SF2. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he started meeting the guys on there. Uh, a lot of the OGs were on there. And, uh, you know, I want to also kind of compartmentalize this. Uh, the FTC was a lot more literate back then. Like uh, in the 2000s, in the mid-2000s when YouTube came out and you started having people watching videos and making tutorials and stuff. Uh, YouTube wasn't the first one. Like James Chen and Sonic Hurricane came out with a lot of videos in the early 2000s before YouTube. Yeah. And I don't want to overlook them, but... Uh, before all of those eras where people watched videos more than read and, and read on through the facts and forums and yeah. all, game facts. Yeah. Right. So, so, so if I may ask, if if James Chen was putting out videos along yeah. with the, uh, other content creators, yeah. prior to YouTube, where could you find these videos? It was DSL downloads. You had really? to download it and wait two or three hours oh, and you couldn't watch God. it until it was done. Right. You know, it was like with in those the, speeds, you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, no I was way. in the microwave waiting to go ding. You know, and, <laughs> and, then you, and then you watch a two-minute video that has like drowning pool as the soundtrack. Let the bodies yep. hit the floor. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. A lot of those songs are still in my head because of the fucking videos, man. God's, They're good videos God's too. Smack. God smack. For I sure. stand and, alone. <laughs> and these guys, uh, they made really, really good content because they knew that their audience was limited. Uh, you know. Uh, the mid 2000s with YouTube, you had kind of a saturation of content yeah. online. And so like Andy Warhol said, everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame now and they make, there's a lot of shit content. There's a lot of good content, you know, but you got to sift through it. I mean, this is my right. experience as somebody who was born in 1980, you know, so, uh, but anyway, uh, Rick was posting on uh, those uh, old uh, bulletin board groups. Okay. And there was kind of a transfer to the web from Usenet. Like I, what I recall uh, was that everyone was posting on Alt Games SF2, which was the genesis of SureYouCan.com. Those guys Jesus. migrated to an image board called MIGS Message Board, and you could also oh, find MIGS, them. Bro, yeah, and you could also find them on uh, MIRC Internet Relay Chat. There was a hashtag Capcom channel that we'd all post on, uh, well, chat on. Jesus Christ. And so back then, this was all word of mouth, right? Yeah. You, you couldn't just find this on your own. You had to know somebody who said, hey. <laughs> yeah, you had to be put on. <laughs> let, let me write down this Mortal Kombat fatality for you, and then you can. 
Yeah, no you shit. You can try it out yourself. Pass, passing notes in class and shit like yeah. that. No, but like uh, you had magazines that these guys oh, actually okay. showed up on. Okay. Uh, and that was like the big time for them. You yeah. know, like Pac-Man Arcade, uh, where Watts is from, had it, it, its own uh, photo shoots for the winners of their tournaments. And uh, it was hard to get put on back then. It was really hard. Uh, but my brother did because my brother was sharp. Uh, he had a way of being really succinct whenever he uh, uh, wrote online. Like I would write paragraphs like to try and explain something from every point of view because I didn't want the uh, recipient of the message to feel stupid. That was always my thing. Like, nice. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. But my brother, he would always look at me and be like, yeah, what you're saying is right, but you can say it a lot quicker. Like you're a dumbass. <laughs> like that was Das Rick. And uh, all the core FTC people loved Rick. They yeah. would like sick Rick on people like a dog, like sick on Das Rick. Because... Whenever somebody was wrong, nobody knew how to shut him down as quickly as he did. And he was just sheerly logical. Rick Rick is the reason uh, a lot of people compliment me for being an intelligent guy. Rick is the reason I'm intelligent. Like, Rick taught himself how to read at two, freaked out my parents. Oh, wow. Then he taught me how to read at three, which... I always felt like a failure. Unbelievable. But then, you know, you contrast that to other people and it's like, you learn to read at three, you know? And I'm yeah. like, well. But he taught himself how yeah, to read he at taught, two, though. He did. By he himself. Did. By the time my sister came, my sister Hedia, uh, she was born in 89. My parents didn't have any experience teaching their kids how to read. So she didn't learn how to read until she was like six or seven. <laughs> like, wow. Like, properly, you know? Wow. So Rick was a damn genius. He was also doing computer programming in the 80s. I could totally, I was going to ask you yeah. this. Are these, is, did he go into CS basically? Yeah, yeah. He used I to see that. work with uh, the TI 994A basic and uh, Commodore 64. Oh, my God. He, yeah. So, time. yeah. So he was an egghead. He used the internet. Uh, he was exchanging at a good, substantial rate with people. Uh, again, really logical, really smart, and would brutally shut down people online. The core FGC loved him for that. Yeah. So he was kind of their darling. And uh, he joined the FGC, in my mind, uh, real early, like maybe 95. He was posting 95, 96, 97 before I actually started getting wind that uh, this had a offline component to it, you know. And as long as it was offline and not online, I was like, I'm in because, you know, I had this prejudice against being a nerd. Wow. <laughs> I did. I got to admit that. Uh, but when, it, you know, it started manifesting, I started showing up to places and seeing people and putting faces to names that I saw online, I started getting interested. I see. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of, of fighting games that you were exposed to back when you were coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, X-Member Street Fighter, the Alphas, right? Yeah, yeah. Street Fighter 2. I want to say Turbo also. Shoot. Uh, I, I was telling you this uh, yes, uh, sorry, last week when we were doing the bullet points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hated alphas because uh, nowadays uh, a lot of people uh, from my day hate patching because they I think, think we feel the same way about that. Though too. We do. Okay, yeah, good. we do. Yeah. Good. We don't like that. <laughs> I mean, well, that's an old school like. Yeah, well, there are a lot of modern players today who play uh, four and five, and they get patched or they get, <laughs> got patched on a regular basis, and they they throw themselves into that mix. They deal with the shit. 
Yeah. You know, and me, I'm like, I don't want to deal with none of that. Right. But um, a good friend of mine in Supercuts uh, mentioned that you guys had patches too. It's called Champion Edition, Hyper Fighting, Super. And I was like, true, true. <laughs> like the characters changed from iteration of Street Fighter 2 to iteration. And you had to get used to that. Uh, and to be honest, I got tired of that shit. Like I wanted Street Fighter 3. When Champion Edition came out, I said, okay, the next one's going to be 3, Hyper Fighting. Okay, the next one's going to be 3, Super with the new challengers the next one's gonna be super turbo i was like get the fuck <laughs> out of here capcom like, yeah that's you know, you know random question because yeah. i know you're around back then what was the story behind rainbow edition before hyper fighting came out uh right the story was that um it was essentially a counterfeit machine yeah yeah China. yeah it was because um <clears throat> there was actually a world warrior the street fighter 2 before champion edition right rainbow edition oh really yeah, and I think the idea behind that was uh, more than to play the bosses was that you could have mirror matches because in World Warrior, you couldn't have a mirror match. Right, right. And so I saw World Warrior uh, hacks on the street. And I was like, oh, Ryu versus Ryu? And they didn't even have alternate colors, so it got confusing. Oh, that's... Yeah. yeah. And then Champion Edition came out, you can play the bosses. Um, and... I guess whoever was hacking the World Warriors, the original World Warrior hacks, was saying, okay, well, why don't we just change the programming of all the moves and this and that? And so they came out with that. Then Capcom, because Capcom CoinOp of America at the time was pulling a lot of money from putting these cabs in, in venues, they they were trying to shut it down, but eventually, you know, like celebrities and memes, they eventually embraced it. Because I don't know if you guys remember when memes came out, like the, one of the first memes I remember was your, uh, what was it? Uh, exhibit, exhibit, uh, yo, you did this. So we did this with oh, this, you yeah, know, like yeah, that's yeah, the Mad yeah. Lib of the meme. And he hated it. He was trying to get them pulled down off the internet and eventually he embraced it. I see. You know, and celebrities now lend their likeness to it. Like they're like, what, what can you do? It's the internet. I guess like when you say that Capcom tried to shut it down, it's just, I'm trying to wrap my head around the concept of multiple like laundromats and video stores they all somehow obtained this yeah, yeah. this counterfeit cabinet like where did the oh like, um well i don't even know who was putting it out yeah i really that's, don't that's the mystery but whoever right? it was he was making buku money yeah he was so i guess that's the million dollar question because eventually they were all pulled and then hyper fighting was introduced and then now okay now we're well yeah we're i normal. think i think that was Capcom's strategy i think they eventually said you know if you can't beat them join them let's put out our own version of that and give chun Li a fireball you know and hyper fighting was born also they increased the speed to try and make it uh, a little faster. Yeah, give it a little yeah. sauce or something. So for those of you listening, uh, Rainbow Edition, like we mentioned, was a counterfeit game. They programmed it to where every character was was broken. Uh, you could throw fireballs in the air. It was Some almost of them like a, an Omega mode that you see from Street Fighter Four. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the fireballs would home into you. Um, yeah, that... the Shoryuken for the Shotos, it would go horizontal across the screen and low. And it was invincible. So it was like, <laughs> also, I think Zangief could SPD from... From the air? From anywhere yeah. on screen. The uh, charge characters no longer had to hold back to right. charge. You could just do back forward sonic boom over and over. You, you could have multiple projectiles on the screen at one time. It multiple was just nuts. Yeah, that was how you won. Uh, you yeah. had to pick a projectile character, use the light punch projectiles, and just flood the just screen. Just chain them, them together. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeez, so, your weight. 
Joe, when did you get to Marvel 2? Because that's what we're, right. we're trying to get at here. Right, right. So I was talking about Street Fighter 2 and being tired of its iterations. Alpha came out. I was like, I don't want to play this shit. Uh, a lot of the OGs didn't like Alpha 1 because they said they have dial combos That's what they called them. Like they would just... Yeah, like Mortal Kombat 3. It was oh, chains. Wow. Yeah, it was literally they put Magic series... In uh, uh, Alpha 1, you said, right? Alpha 1. Yeah, and that's I true. Yeah. Darkstalkers might have come out before Alpha 1. And Darkstalkers was unique as hell. It was... Like it changed my life when I saw that. I was like, this is something away from Street Fighter. So I like Darkstalkers. But when they took Darkstalkers concepts... Uh, the engine concepts and put them in alpha uh they didn't like alpha one alpha two came back with regular chains and the custom combos which may have broken that game yep and um then i saw children of the atom uh i think that was 94 i think it was 94 i think you're right yeah and it was goofy it was really goofy. It had like kind of like some Darkstalkers concepts in it, but it had super jumps, and it was just a really crazy like. It was their prototype, right? Which eventually led to Marvel Two. Then I saw Marvel Superheroes, which cleaned up a lot of the issues with Children of the Atom, and I loved it. But that was because I didn't see the crazy shit people were doing on that game. <laughs> you know, the infinite. It was a it was a kind of loose and wild game. Sorry Marvel Superheroes. Then X-Men versus Street Fighter, I was out. I was like, I don't want to play this shit. That's Come where on. I started, yeah. Yeah, Ryu and Cyclops, get the fuck out of here. That's that's how I felt <laughs> when I saw X-Men versus Street Fighter. I was like, this is like some Saturday morning cartoon shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the USA Network version of Street Fighter. Remember yeah, the animated yeah, series? Yeah, USA Network, Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't your moves. They're stolen. Yeah, and the fact that they tried to actually put some storylines in people's endings and characters' endings and stuff, I was like, yo, I'm out. Uh, I'm still waiting for three by that time. Three dropped. Nobody liked it. Uh, new generation. There might be some OGs out there. I liked it, man. I have people in the arcade playing that shit all the time. You know, like that might actually <laughs> be out there, but I hated it. And then new generation, I'm sorry, second impact. Second impact. Is the next I one. didn't see it. I didn't see it anywhere. I fast forwarded to third strike. Yeah, now yeah. this era, um, I keep saying this and I might be wrong. Uh, there's some people who say that I'm right, but I might be wrong. I saw third strike in 98 and I know officially the game came out in 99, but uh, Brunswick bowling alley, when we moved back to Moreno Valley, uh, had a third strike machine real, really early. And when I saw it, I was like, this is it. <laughs> Like, this is clean. Like, all the problems they had with New Generation. And I had seen at least one second impact, but I never saw a scene around a cab, you know? But I saw that they had cleaned up things between New Generation, second impact. And then I saw Third Strike. And I, I wish Sean was still it. top tier. Well, Street Fighter 3 still had... So they, they had the same treatment that Street Fighter 2 had with, with World Warrior, Champion Edition, and Hyper Fighting. This mm -hmm. game had three different iterations. Right. Not to mention, as we talked about, Street Fighter third strike had different versions yep yeah like version right. a version b some right. some uh things didn't work in in, in the and you didn't know which version you were playing until you actually tried that I character the, specific the move. one that most people play now was the one that was in the widest circulation it was actually hard to find one of the i guess version b cabs but you're right and uh around 98 marvel one came out i, I saw marvel superheroes versus street fighter one time i went to some random arcade in san diego i saw it and I was like, oh, this is X-Men versus Street Fighter, but Spider-Man's, I liked Spider-Man more. 
So I was <laughs> like, I'll fuck with that one, but I never saw it anywhere else. Yeah. So when we got to Brunswick in 98, I saw uh, probably, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, qualify this late 98. There was probably an early cab sitting there of Third Strike. I saw a beta of Alpha 3 and Marvel 1 was there. So that's when I started playing competitively uh, Marvel 1 with the, uh, like I said, the guys who were going to be in Team Rico and a few guys that uh, disappeared after that venue. We stopped going to Brunswick. But uh, there was always a big crowd around Marvel 1. Uh, Marvel 2 obviously dropped in 2000. So somewhere between 98 and 2000. Um, yeah. So even before you get to that, uh, yeah, Joe, yeah, yeah. what was what was your opinion on the changes that Marvel Two had made relative to Marvel One? Because I know a lot of like obviously <laughs> diehard people, including uh, even Maximilian, dude. Like yeah. he he per- prefer- preferably likes uh, Marvel One. Yeah, then... I'm with him. I'm with him on that. Really? I wow. I hated Marvel Two. I hated Marvel Two when it came out. Um, so the person who convinced me to play Marvel Two because I boycotted it. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I was going to okay. Again, I started posting on the Usenet message boards uh, in 98. Um, they all treated me like a punk. No. Like I was Dostrick's kid brother who didn't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they didn't even give you credit. Yeah, yeah. And basically. and I liked low tier. I liked low tier back then. So um, they were like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to write about it. I, I wrote voluminously, <laughs> like volumes and they still were like, you can't prove it. Like that was a big thing, the authenticity back then. Um, and this is a theme of mine, uh, offline authenticity versus online anonymity. You know, you could have a gamer tag. So back then we called it a screen name. You could have a screen name and uh, you couldn't back shit up offline. You, you know, so the guys would always be like, come out, come out and prove it. What's up? You know, and then they wouldn't come out or they would come out and not uh, own up to their screen name. To what they were saying. And get fucked up. Yes. And walk back home with their tail between their legs and then get called out. Like, are you that motherfucker who was stinky without deodorant? I fucked you up. <laughs> like, they would do that. <laughs> that, that kind of shit would happen. So and good. so there was a lot of, you know, discrepancies. Uh, people wouldn't own up to their shit. And so I just started getting called out because I didn't go anywhere. And Dosrick didn't go anywhere. Like, we, we didn't have a car. We got clowned by Team Rico guys for not having a car. There, uh, and this is uh, also a really important thing about my origin story. There was a guy uh, who had a brother. Uh, and it was Mike Ortiz and Paulo, his brother okay. Paulo. They would fuck us up at Brunswick. Uh, they had some kind of inside line and... Later, I found out they were going to Golfland and they were playing with uh, Valle and, oh, and Watts. Oh, wow. But, you know, they lived in Moreno Valley and Mike Ortiz's screen name was Moval. You know, he took the, the shortened name of our city. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Just yeah. Like, I don't it? ever know what Paulo's uh, screen name was. But uh, he also had a buddy named Christian, Christian Garrido, Fuse on 909. And they were all driving back and forth um, to Golfland. And my brother and I were walking and taking the bus, you know. So they clowned us for that because they saw us walking on the street from our house to Brunswick. And they were like, you don't even have a car. And, <laughs> you know, there was bullying back then. But, of course. I, I, yeah, I didn't give a shit. I was like, the hell, you, you're making fun of me for that? <laughs> yeah. And. Um, you gotta have thick skin, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You. We really. Uh, yeah. I'll talk on that a little yeah. more later. But, Let's do it. Um, 
uh, Rick got a ride to Golfland, and those guys embraced him because of all of his online shenanigans. And um, I didn't eventually go until, fuck, it must have been 2000. It was the first time I actually set foot in Golfland. But we did go to James Games Arcade in, I think, in 98 or 99. Nice. Yeah. Uh, somebody from Brunswick who we played with, his name was Mario. This big black guy who played Mega Man and fucked us up with beat playing all the time. <laughs> oh. uh, he gave us a ride and he had an old ass Cadillac. It was busted with a fucking you know, backfiring and shit. And he took us <laughs> to James Games down to 60, 15, and 10. And it was our first time seeing like people going ham on fighting games. Then uh, 99 happened, 2000. I lived in Miami in 2000 in the first months, like from February to May. And I had a whole family drama. I got kicked out, came back to SoCal. Uh, and that's the first time I walked to Brunswick and I saw Marvel 2. And my brother was about to leave home. He, he lived with a, he, he found some female to live with up in, in Oregon. So he, oh, wow, in Oregon. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the early days when you didn't know who the hell you were talking to online. Really, oh, damn. You know, ASL. Like, yeah. Catfishing was easy as hell. So I don't know how he did that so bravely, but he went up to Oregon to live with this, uh, old lady. And, uh, before he left, cause I got back from Miami in May and in that little overlap when we were both at home, we went to Brunswick and uh, he showed me Marvel two. And see, here's the thing about Marvel 1 with the assists. You could, you know, uh, use a little code and pick Psy Psylocke or Colossus. That's right. Or yeah. Lube, People that right? don't know. Yeah. Yes. Right. Those were some of the top tier assists. But um, I hated how easy it was to just drop assists and then super somebody. Like, it, you know, I, I like the whole meta and footsies of it. So my strategy when I played against people Forget duo team attacks, you know, because that was the top tier strategy in Marvel 1 for the the heavy hitters who played that game. Yeah. Build meter, do a duo team attack, chip the person to death. That was how you won Marvel 1. But I tried to play footsies, like old school Marvel footsies. And uh, I would try to get people to expend all their assists quick. You know, I hated people who picked Lou because I think you got eight of them. <laughs> But, so yeah, that's right. Because Marvel One has a certain amount of times that you can use an assist once you've picked it. Whereas the be the better the assist, the least amount of times that you can use them, right? Right, like Colossus. And yeah, like, that was Capcom's rationale. Uh, Juggernaut, but, you can only call him out like maybe three or four times. Yeah, yeah. but Juggernaut was ass. Like yeah, was Juggernaut, bad. Sentinel, uh, Charlie, uh, or I mean Shadow. Uh, you could pick those guys. They had pretty good uh, kind of like layups <laughs> for supers, but. Um, like I said, I would just rush in and get them to spend it, block it, and then I'm like, you're mine now. You know, like, play yeah, footsies finally. You know? Right, right. Yeah. So Force I always them. thought assists were stupid. So going into Marvel 2, where you could just call assists freely, uh, infinite amount of time. Right, assists, yeah. basically. The assists had a blow through. Like, you know, even if the, the assist itself doesn't have invincible frames and blow through shit, it would still kind of wedge through the action and get in there you know even if you could trade with the assist and then he would go away like a whip dog you know <laughs> uh well you know it, it was too cheap to me so i made this little declaration all right i boycotted it first then Vasant, who i pronounce Vasant, Viscant, jay snyder <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snyder. uh i don't even know if Viscant 
he he says just call me Viscant now, but I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce his name. But I always thought it was Visant. So uh, Visant was the one who told me, Joe, it's worth playing. Like try it, try it. And I was like, no, fuck that. Like I was resistant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like explaining the engine to me. I, I don't know why he did that. You know, like I don't even know if he's my contemporary. He's he's a little senior to me because he was rolling around and doing shit before I was on wheels. You know. So he, I would say he's like slightly my senior, maybe just playing my senior, but I felt like he was a contemporary of mine at the time. And he respected me because of the, the things I wrote, I guess. So he was like, you can contribute to this game if you play it, do it. Do you feel like the resistance came from the fact that you had spent so much time on Marvel 1? No, no, no. I don't. I, I was willing to switch games. I okay. mean, shit, uh, I like conventional Street Fighter more than Marvel games, you know? So uh, I, I knew how to adapt um, I didn't like 3D games, <laughs> so I, I didn't. <laughs> no I EX didn't, Alpha for you, no. I, no, no. Uh, that's Tech, like 2.5D, right? But like uh, Tekken, uh, Soul Calibur. Oh, okay. I, I don't like them. Uh, I, I love I, Tekken, bro. I didn't ever cross the bridge. And when I saw players like Vaya, who was good at all of them, I was like, "Damn, dude!" Like, to me, like I, I literally considered it like a, a limitation of my own mind <laughs> to to not be able to do that crossover. So, like, yeah, you could say that there's some resistance coming from all that you invested competitively in a previous game. And I would say that approaching Marvel 2, I kind of felt a little trepidation saying, well, I got to abandon what I know in Marvel 1. Okay. But I wouldn't say that the trepidation held me back from actually uh, jumping into the Marvel 2 crowd. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, Vasant was telling me... <laughs> Besant, David Serlin, uh, Seth Killian, and my brother, this is what I remember. Like They were kind of like this little brain trust. They were like the brainy guys. Intellectuals. Yeah, of the uh, forums yeah. back then. And um, they would talk about uh, the implications. They would extrapolate what they knew about the engine really early on and talk about the possibilities. And they were talking about tiers, like what they were gonna shape up to be. One of the earliest tier discussions I heard from Marvel 2 pissed me off. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, what? Um, they were saying Iceman was top tier. Yes, this is what I had heard when I first started playing as well. Iceman was top tier, Right. right. considered top tier. You're, you're referring to the beta, right? Uh, oh. No, oh, no, 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 yeah, we can talk we're, about we're gonna that. Get, we're gonna get into that. Right, we can talk about the beta of Marvel 2, but... Um, I think the reason they were inclined to say that Iceman was top tier was because he chipped well. Yeah, right. And, and the they were in the old Marvel 1 mentality of chipping is good. And chipping is good in Marvel makes 2. Makes sense. You know, chipping works in Marvel 2. But uh, so, and also nobody could chip him. Yes. <laughs> because beam attacks don't chip him. So they for, were for like. For those that don't know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the only thing that chips Iceman is is drones and war machine and war machine. And that was part of the early conversation. Rocks. Doom, and Doom Rocks, Rocks, right? Yeah. right. yeah. So they were saying like war machine is considered a possible runner for top tier now because he can counter Iceman. Like they were having these conversations right, right. before the top tier started to really emerge. And, uh, you know, if you watch, they're online, they're on YouTube, the old B5 and B4 uh, clips. Uh, top tier was emerging, uh, but they didn't know how to use them even, you know? 
like what a time to be around the the community around that time imagine sitting around the table thinking man this guy's ice man is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> wow he's untouchable <laughs> Yeah, and Duck was just fucking with Omega Red back then, too. Oh, you that's know? crazy. Duck was fucking people up with Omega Red. Um, but, you see, I didn't jump into a lot of that uh, physically. Like, I wasn't offline and present. Like, I was monitoring all of this online. Okay. Um, and going off of my own experience playing at uh, Brunswick Bowling Alley and wherever else I could find Marvel 2. Can we get into, because I need to hear about this, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to hear about the beta version of Marvel 2, the, the very first version that yeah. was put out as a test before it was released publicly. Because I had heard um, that they had already discovered the air hyperviper beam, but they decided intentionally to keep it in the game. But it was discovered, I believe, during the beta. Yeah, I don't even know if, how or if they nerfed Cable, but... Um Back then, we didn't say nerf, by the way. We said raped. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, Wolverine got raped between Marvel 1 and Marvel 2. Oh, man. You know, that's how they would the phrase it. The term nerf, for you guys listening at home, whenever there's a whenever a game is revised online or, or patched, as, we, as it's called, the term nerf is used to describe a character that's been revised because its prior iteration was just too strong or too, too powerful. And on the flip side, there's buff, buff which right. is basically... A character that didn't get as much love during the first iteration now has a better move set, maybe even better frame data, things like that, to make them more viable. Correct. Damn right. So where did this cabinet come from? So uh, this is a rumor. Uh, I heard it online. I wasn't present, so I, I have to qualify it that way. But this is what I heard. Um, so Southern Hills Golfland had its uh, corresponding uh, uh, up north, Sunnyvale Golfland. So there was SHGL down here. And I S didn't know that. SVGL up there. And Sunnyvale is actually where Capcom Coin-Op of America was before it closed. And um, so they dropped their beta for Marvel 2, as I understand, at Sunnyvale Golfland, where uh, a good old Marvel player, uh, Marvel Superheroes champion, uh, Spider-Dan, was... Oh, wow, Spider-Dan. Yeah. That plays uh, Spider-Doom. Spider-Dan right, yeah. is a mental giant. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he's not performing the way he was, but he was he was crazy back then. He was a Shuma Garoth player in Marvel Super Heroes. And, so, mm -hmm. so what I understand from yeah. what we talked about is that back then, back when this beta was, was released as an experimental, is that Spider-Dan had a winning streak of over 100 games Yep. at one point. And... Yep. He was putting Shumagrath on point. Shumagrath was broken back then. They actually had to pull the game back and revise it because he was just too good. Can can you talk a little bit about that? That's well, so you know, crazy. Chaos Dimension, uh, his super in Marvel Superheroes. Uh, Don't tell me it was one bar. Well, he in Marvel Superheroes, different characters got different uh, bars, different stock amounts. So I think uh, Spider Man could do two maximum spiders. He could fill up two bars. Shuma Garoth could only fill up one. And when he came out in Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter, uh, I I don't remember if Chaos Dimension was one meter. I think, it, I think it was three. In Marvel Superheroes yeah, versus Street Fighter. I'm pretty sure it was three. But I think or I heard, you know, Spider-Man can uh, clean, clean my record here, but... Um, I think it was only one meter when it came out in Marvel 2. And so he was just destroying people with uh, Chaos Dimension or so I heard. And then, In the yeah, beta version, it was the, only one 
Uh, right meter. now okay. it's three meters in Marvel two, and uh, they pulled it back. As I understood, they made it three meters again. And I don't know if his move set, like beyond that, was any better than it is now because his move set's just it's I it's like, it's pretty pretty crappy. I mean, yeah, call it for it what is. it is. I mean, Marvel Superheroes Shuma was dope, you know, and to see him get progressively nerfed from iteration right. to iteration really really disappointed me uh i like his up and fierce <laughs> that little beam I mean, thing you can say that about a lot of characters like yeah. thanos used to be really good yeah that's i mean me, wolverine yeah. without without you know that goes kind of goes without saying right yeah wolverine yeah. changed every single damn game every single game but uh yeah that's how i understood it and so uh marvel 2 could have been a different game i guess Dude, that's fascinating because it it pulls the question: What else was going on? What other characters might have been? Oh yeah, yeah, might have been messed have with. To tinker with in that little yeah. pullback. I would love moment. to somehow yeah. get my hands on get a ha- yeah get our hands on a copy of that and just sit in training <laughs> mode and you know try traditional moves and see. I guess Magneto would be the guy the guy to consult with that, right? You know who knows that game's practical source code in and out is Mike Z. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's yeah. yeah him too. Yeah. yeah, he might he might be able to speak on stuff like that. Definitely a guru. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you started to get your hands wet with with uh, Marvel two, you started. You're you're known for double Wolverine. Yeah. That's that's your the signature. That's why people know you. The, is the it's team, synonymous with my damn name, Team Zaza, and that name came from. Oh, uh, Team Zaza. No, no, no. Just, just oh, Joe Zaza. Joe Zaza. Oh, yeah. Okay, so mm, the origin story of my name is pretty funny. Um, my brother and I would play these really early computer games called shareware games. So Epic Mega Games, which is now Epic yeah, Games. Yeah, love it. Um, Apogee, id, who made Doom. Yeah, id software. Yeah. Um, we would download those, uh, because they were free. It shareware, the motto was try before you buy. So you could play like the first episode and then it would say buy the second and third episode. I remember episode. that, Yeah. Yeah. And we loved those games. And so my brother, having had experience in programming, uh, wanted to make his own video game company. So we made this company called uh, Idea, called Chips Fay. And he was Fay, which was the name of a bird. That was the logo. It was a chocolate chip cookie with a bird on top of it. <laughs> and I was Chips. So Chips and Fay. And uh, we, I wanted to change my name from that because that was my screen name doing early online mushes and chats in the early days uh but then i changed it to i wanted to change it to joe cool (laughs) and then i found out that snoopy had the name because there was a bunch of peanuts merchandise and snoopy with the sunglasses so i was like i can't do that so uh i had to change the joe to joey joey cool (laughs) and i was like this name isn't cool (laughs) it's not you know it just doesn't roll right off the tongue does it it doesn't and um in the early 90s my mom put me on game watching the godfather movies she was like you got to watch all of these movies yeah yeah and the the uh, plots are complicated but i'll explain them to you son my dad's actually a really big fan of the godfather yeah yeah and i watched them and they blew me away godfather one two and then three um, had just dropped in 1990 and this was the early 90s so I was like watching a new movie in my head you know and um, one of the characters who's kind of a MacGuffin he's like a a character that distracts from the main plot in the first act uh, and he had like this uh, beef with uh, another main character there was uh, Michael Corleone the godfather and Vincent who was going to be the next godfather and he Vincent had this small enemy on the streets named Joey Zaza and he was played by Joe Mantegna. 
and uh oh, that's so cool yeah and zaza in the movie i think it's the italian spelling is z-a-s-a yeah but i was like you know what let's drop the y in joey cool let's drop the cool let's do joe zaza and when i was out in the fgc and people were like why'd you name yourself after somebody gets shot at the beginning of the movie you know because i think in the first act vincent the 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 two the person that michael's tutoring actually shoots him he's like how you doing joe zaza and shoots him twice <laughs> that's so crazy yeah 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 and um people are like why'd you name yourself after a whack-ass character you know and i kind of just said because i'm low tier fuck you <laughs> but you know I, by it's my guns. true yeah yeah very true low tier player <laughs> to the end <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started being known for for double Wolverine, right? Was that was that your first team that you picked right off the bat? No, hell no, no. How did that come about? Yeah. Okay, so I didn't fuck with Wolverine. Marvel One came out, and uh, the the top, the most scrub. If there was a team scrub in Marvel One, it would have been Striderine, Strider Wolverine, and because you didn't have to unlock the secret character with it. You know, you didn't have to put in a code, an elaborate code, to get double War Machine. Or Red Venom, who were also top tier in Gold Mar- War Machine, Marvel right? One, yeah, right, Gold War Machine, right. Red Venom, yeah, I remember right. how cheap that guy was. That guy right, was right. cheap, man. Yeah, and um, but Striderine, anybody could just pick it, and um, so I hated Wolverine. Wolverine had like this l- infinite loop, unless you knew about the uh, advanced tactics push block shit, which nobody really knew back then. That. All that broke out in the Marvel 2 days, how to actually take advantage of that meta with the push block. Are you familiar, not to not to no. distract you, but are you familiar with the unblockables that were in that game? Or the, the they're called uncombos? Yeah, so... I didn't know about this until last year. Yeah, yeah. So the I guess the technical definition of an uncombo is something that actually will combo but won't count on the combo meter. So that's what an uncombo is. And I think the only uncombo that I remember was Gambit's uh, Infinite, where he would undercross you and do, do jab short, jab short. And it wouldn't rack up on the combo meter, and therefore it wouldn't scale. That's what I was going to ask. Is, like, it's just, is it just not scaling, so it just kills no, quickly? No, I mean, it I've, I've, quicker, yeah, I've seen videos where someone's doing like, a, they're doing like an infinite, like reuse uh, Tatsu, Tatsu Infinite when he's in the Akuma mode. Mm-hmm. And you, you're supposed to hit the opponent at the last possible frame before it drops. Mm-hmm. And it it continues the combo. The person can't block it, but the combo meter resets, right, which right. means that the scaling goes back to normal. Right, so correct? that is an uncombo. Yeah, yeah. So and I've seen videos, and, and people are commenting like, no, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And, and so the, the guy uploading the video had to upload like a hands cam and all kinds of different. So you can see, like, look, I'm blocking. And then he does he the sequence. The receipts. Yeah. yeah, and nowadays you just have to because everything is just questionable, right? It's all about the receipts. Well, that's what I love about the FGC is that we are a skeptical group. You know, I mean, you you damn well better prove it. You know, yeah. otherwise shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's, it's always kind of been that way with combo videos too, because like I'll, I'll upload a bunch of combo videos, but I know that a lot of the times you won't be able to see this in a match. Some of it you can. Like I've been able to do a lot of it in match, but a lot of people are just like, all right, man, we'll do it. Do it against somebody good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah. You know, you can prove it that it works in theory, but in practice, no. Yeah. So and, and that uh those discrepancies between theory and practice came up with me a lot 
with uh, all kinds of players. But let's get back to Wolverine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of so course, of course. Wolverine and Marvel One. Uh, was cheap as fuck. Uh, almost everything he did was safe when blocked. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and he could confirm easy. Once he yep. caught you, he'd just flow chart that right into a, a confirm. Dude, that crouching medium mm-hmm. just scoops you right in. Mm-hmm. Right in for the good loving right. comes afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you hated it. You hated I it. I hated because... Wolverine. I used low tier in that game. I used, uh, I think I used Spider-Man Venom regular venom and i think i used uh roll zongief that that came from discussions with uh vasant because he was talking about how viable zongief was and he was using uh sorry uh zongief in tournaments and fucking people up with him in marvel one really marvel one yeah yeah he was and uh so based on his theory the things that he was posting i was going to brunswick and using zongief too and I loved it. I loved it because uh, I felt like a king for <laughs> being able to do the 360 because I could never do the 360 back in the Street Fighter 2 days. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, also switched that to Alpha. When I started playing Alpha, I, I, my favorite character was Sodom because he had the 360. So I, I oh, Sodom, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I was a 360 guy in the uh, late 90s. But anyway, so I didn't like Wolverine. Marvel 2 came out. They said Wolverine's totally raped. He's just yep. ass now, you know? And I was like, that can't be. Come on. All the trouble this motherfucker gave me in Marvel 1, <laughs> and now you can't use him? Get the fuck out of town, you know? So uh, I I just threw my hand at it. I was like, well, let me kind of parlay what was good about Wolverine in Marvel 1. Uh, I analyzed and figured out real quick what they had taken away from him from Marvel 1's iteration of Marvel 2. And uh, my first teams were like bullshit. Like it was like, uh, well, uh, I didn't do any of the regular uh, Jill teams that everybody does when they start playing Marvel 2. It's like one of my first characters, Jill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, because I knew why people like Jill. I was like, it's because of the damn slide. Come on. It's so low. It's so good, you know, that you could ODG. But I was a firm anti-ODG guy. Uh, off the ground so hitting them before they could roll in marvel one you could control your roll distance by light medium or heavy and there were some things you just couldn't do in marvel one because they'd light roll pop up behind you real quick and it was just unsafe it was i didn't un- know that it was I- unusable like there were like for example strider uh he had a four hit 45 percent combo so i think it was a medium kick heavy punch round heavy standing kick, roundhouse and then you would do a DP. Yeah. And yeah. So that last the long slash. slash. Yeah, yeah. And it was great because it scaled very little because all of those were kind of heavy hits. So it was like a four fierce combo almost. Right. And um, I lost my place. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, what happens when you get old. Yeah. <laughs> you were saying that you couldn't believe that Wolverine had been nerfed so bad. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to say, oh, yeah. So if you dropped that four-hit strider combo into a quarter circle forward in the rainbow sword instead of the DP, the rainbow sword you could jab roll and pop up behind him and and fuck him up because he didn't recover by the time you actually popped up. Same thing with Fatal Claw with Wolverine. If you did the DP super that he has with kicks, you could jab roll and fuck him up before he lands. Wow, even if it connected? Yeah, so we called it Fatal Flaw. (laughs) That's what we called it. Um, so I thought ODGing was for scrubs. So Jill 
was clearly an ODG character to me. I was like, she's a Scrubs character. I didn't want to touch her. So I used like my old Marvel teams. Like I used fucking Captain America, Spider-Man, Venom, teams that didn't make any damn sense uh, <laughs> compared to, you know, team strategy today. Um, and I started putting Wolverine on the teams uh, later. And I think I used Double Wolverine, Spider-Man, Double Wolverine, Gambit. And I was doing okay. I wasn't doing that bad. Uh, but before that, I... Spider-Man uh, with the capture assist, I'm assuming, to somehow get No, some. no, I used anti-air. No, anti-air, But okay. I didn't play with assists. That's another thing. Uh, I, know, oh. I know that uh, uh, Ken wants to hear that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So when I started posting about Marvel 2, I went on my tirade about assists being scrubby. And I vowed, I said, okay, I'll play this game because Vassan asked me to, but I'm not going to use assists. Forget assists. And my brother, Dasrik, you know, he used to lambast everybody for saying stupid stuff. Yeah. So he was like dissociating himself from me. He was <laughs> like, you're too stupid. That is too stupid. And he would say, yeah, my brother, my stupid brother, which, <laughs> you know, the core FGC had already decided I was his kid brother and stupid. So it was just going hand in hand with all of that. He said, you know, uh, you got to use assist to play this game. It, you have to. And so I just insisted no. And a guy reared his ugly head online and he was like, I want to play you. I want to test that theory. And it was duck. It was duck duck. Oh my goodness. A new challenger appears. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, in hindsight, it's kind of odd to me that duck would do that because like why step down from mount mount olympus you know he was a god at the game that's true to to come and find somebody Some, out in marino valley right but uh he he agreed to do it i you know what maybe my first encounter with duck was random there was a guy in team rico in the early days named hans um, and he would go to Golfland too and come back with Golfland Tech to Riverside and Moreno Valley and fuck us up at the arcade with whatever Golfland Tech he was aping. And oh, <laughs> yeah, monkey see, monkey do. And uh, he was playing me and fucking me up with Magneto. He was doing the Hypergraph Tempest combos, and oh, we didn't wow. know about the shakeout yet. We didn't know how to mash, how to out, mash of out a Tempest. No, no, no. Yeah, so for those you, that don't know, um, in Marvel 2, uh, when you do a. When Magneto does basically its magic series, and then he do, he has to do a hypergraph to go into Tempest to be able to combo his his super. Um, you are able to, if you do it effectively, you're able to essentially mash out, and Tempest will not land on you. So yeah, that's very you get uh, released by the uh, hypergraph. Correct, and, and then uh, you fly out, and you're actually in recovery frames where you can block once you correct uh, escape those recovery frames. Right? Very vital in high level play. Yeah, yeah, and the Hawaiians mastered it. You ever heard about that? We no, called no. it the Hawaiian mash. The Hawaiians they came to Golfland in the early two thousands, and they did. They all had this technique, and we were like, "How in the fuck?" They were like waving their hand over the control, like it. <laughs> we were we exaggerated to the point where we were like, they were doing some kind of magic trick where they didn't even touch the buttons. They were just waving their <laughs> hand over the control and they'd fly out. And they were all doing it consistently. They were all doing it consistently. Like they had like, it down. Pat. I admire that in every Street Fighter game. Like if you get stunned, there is a technique to get out of stun quick. 
And I never mastered that. I, I actually consider it uh, beneath me oh, wow. <laughs> to mash so hard to try and escape something. Like, I actually get hit by stunt combos like, whatever, go ahead. Do what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, I don't even fuck around mashing out. Like, I never tried to learn the mashing technique. For all those guys out there who learned the mashing technique, <laughs> I salute you, you know, but fuck that. Like, I just never wanted to learn it, and I admire the guys who did it. So, same thing with the Hawaiians. When they came to SoCal... Uh, like DJ B13 and Golden Nismore, when they did that, we were like, oh, wow. <laughs> like what the? <laughs> so we all would go home to Riverside and we'd be like, hey, look, man, I'm going to Hawaiian mash out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaiian mash out of Tempest, right? That's so cool, man. So this guy, Hans, he was uh, getting me in these loops. With and, Magneto. Yeah, Hypergraph Tempest loops. Yep. Beating my ass. And then in walks Duck. This is a Moreno Valley Mall timeout. And that's the arcade that we were playing in. In walks Duck. I don't know who Duck is. You know, I didn't care. <laughs> and uh, Hans <laughs> was like beside himself. He was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's you. Like it's he's you. losing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like rolling the red carpet out. Yep. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, who is this guy? You know, I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> And so Duck picked one of his uh, fun teams back then. I think he picked, uh, was it BB Hood, Juggernaut, and Hulk. And oh. if you did the Team Super. Team Hyper Combo. Yeah, exactly. Basically a KO right. or like a 100% on a character. Yeah. If you call an assist wrong or whatever. Exactly. Or even a confirm on a point character. It'll yeah. just kill him completely. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. If you did not cover your uh, negative attack with a yeah. uh, point character, you're fucked. Right. Yep. And... Uh, I fought him the first time and I did my, you know, old Marvel footsies thing where, you know, every time I dash in for an attack, I was safe. Yeah. Uh, and I beat him. I beat him the first time I played him. And my win record against Duck is terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> From that moment on, I don't think I beat Duck, but like a handful of times, literally. But um, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But I beat him the first time I played him, and that's not a fucking brag. You know, like a lot of good players, when they jump in with a new player, they don't know what the hell to expect. So, right. They're still kind of downloading you and seeing what kind of stuff that you want to do. Yeah. And Duck, he'd kind of like stood back and he was like, okay, you know, like after <laughs> I won. And Hans was like, you, you just beat the king of this game. <laughs> what the fuck i can't believe it he was all hyping me up and i was like shut up hans like both duck and i because duck didn't like getting hyped and then you know his star falling right, right afterwards that's right. what happens with sycophants man that's what happens with <laughs> ass kissers bro like hans shout out man but you were an ass kisser back in the day <laughs> and fucking uh duck he was like okay all right we'll see and yeah, he downloaded me after that. Like I was doing things that I didn't even know were negative. And I think in one of the games in that session, wow. he even commented, he did the team super reversal on my team super because I misconfirmed my team super with all three guys on screen. He reversed And he his, interrupted and, as it's happened. Wow. Not, not interrupted. He just uh, punished. Okay. He just, just straight punished. flat punished. Okay. Straight flat punished my team super, all three characters on screen, killed all three instantly. Oh and he'd never goodness. seen it before. I guess Duck is what I call a PhD moment when you're playing Street Fighter. And you've been playing Street Fighter for so long that it's hard for you to see something you never saw before. Right. So I think Duck had a PhD moment where he's like, oh, they all died at the same time. <laughs> that was cool. 
and he was fucking me up. Same team, you know. He never switched from that team. Oh, I was uh, gonna ask. Maybe for if that you switched after that first match. Yeah, I think I ran out of money. I think it might have been like I had two bucks, so I only got like eight games eight, with him, yeah. and I ran out of money. And he, I guess, you know, Duck back then is a lot different than Duck today. Uh, back then, he Speak, was yeah. making a name for himself, you know, uh, rising up as the king of Marvel two, and uh, you know. Like I said, he was hunting for anybody who was going to play the game and made any kind of declaration or announcement. Oh. You know, so he was he was definitely on on the prowl for like he, he was on the prowl. You know, looking for anyone even, that he could. Yeah, yeah, anyone, anyone who was willing to play competitively yes. with him. I I think. I, uh, you I know, respect I can't that speak, a lot. Yeah, I can't speak to what his actual motives were, but um, you know, so I understood it uh, because his. Uh, home base wherever he lived around the time was he kind of uh said different things at different times this is the early days of the internet you know you didn't want to disclose too much about yourself right so i had heard he lived in san Bernardino. i heard he lived in rialto i heard he lived in riverside he was around my area so uh in in retrospect i realized didn't take him that much to to come out and find me you know but the first time we played i think it was a random encounter then he went online and my brother said, uh, oh, uh, Joe played Duck at Moreno Valley Mall. And Duck was online. So Duck was like, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. And he was like real respectful to me in spite of me losing uh, almost every game. That's awesome. And he had heard about my no assist thing. So he was like, oh, <laughs> Joe, I don't know if I believe in that, you know? Um, <laughs> I think you should really reconsider, you know, and this is what I liked about the top players back then. Uh, it's not the same as top players today, I don't think. But Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think... Uh, like the differences in that? Yeah, I think since uh, the 09 er era yeah. uh, and uh, broadcasting became more important and uh, player profiles became more important, being a high-profile player uh, in the, uh, media verse, you know, whether you're on ESPN or on, on online, um, there's kind of like this insulated cushion now where, you know, you don't, how dare you step up to my level kind of thing. Like, don't even try oh. to fuck with me now. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not even going to give you a game kind of thing. And they can afford to do that because the industry at, at, in the 2010s backed up the FGC. Yeah. You know, they, they actually gave some support and undergirded the FGC. So, uh, you know, top players don't <laughs> share tech, I don't think. Uh, you guys are an exception, <laughs> you know. We do. I yeah. mean, just speaking for myself, yesterday yeah. uh, I had a session at General Thrill is, mm -hmm. and Magnetro was in attendance, and him and I spent two hours off stream on a different setup just messing around with the engine. Mm -hmm. You turned on the stream, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was surprising because there were, there were some things that I mean, he's a god. He's a combo video god, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there were some things that I actually helped him with, and I said, you know what, try it this way. Yeah. And he saw that it was actually the the easier route to go, and that was a little that was a feeling of fulfillment for myself because yeah. I had always looked at to him. Right. Hey, you know what? I have an idea. I have a concept. What do you think? Do you think it could work? Yeah. This is uh, why I come to the stream. You know, I don't give interviews. I, I don't really like um, the media sphere of the FGC too much uh, for the reasons that I, I think uh, there's kind of a community industry complex 
where, you know, it, back in the day, the community and the industry were very separate entities. Like, you know, the Venn diagrams with the circles? Yeah. Right. There was a gap, right? And little by little, they've been overlapping and eventually eclipsing where, you know, you don't get too many independent thinkers and independent players. I can't believe it's sometime in the 2010s when I heard that they called our era the era of self-sponsored player, self-sponsored pro player. I was like, what the hell kind of retro term? You know, like we were just fucking players, man. Right, right. You know, we just went out. We, we So then I start, it started to dawn on me that, uh, you know, when players are in their adolescence and uh, their 20s, they're going through, uh, sorry to get academic, but this uh, developmental stage called identity versus role confusion, where eventually you exit and you move into the next adulthood stage of development. This is Eric Erickson, by the way. I wanted to always delve into this, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very interesting that you bring it up. The next stage is called intimacy versus isolation. So every stage of development gives a virtue if you negotiate that crisis successfully. So the crisis of identity versus role confusion, nobody's going to go through that stage of development saying, I always knew who I was. You know, like, no, you can't really. You literally balancing between the that two. That explains a lot of like, for me personally, yeah. like on during that, like early twenties that what you're speaking of, of yeah. like that whole identity. Yeah. Versus We've role. got a lot of card carrying FGC players who kind of like tourists, they kind of come into the FGC, yeah. they fuck with it. They yeah. realize they're not good with it. And then they go to something else. That's role confusion. Or in the, in high school days when, you know, you can't decide if you're a skater, if you're goth or you're something else that yeah. you're going or... through role confusion. You don't have an established identity just yet. Some people are born with the uh, advantage of knowing exactly who they are. Yes, I've always noticed that. Yeah. There have been some people that just seem to innately just know what their role is and they they already have like, a, for example, like a set path or a or some sort of um, road that they can already navigate, whereas other people are like... And set boundaries too. Correct. Because it, you could know who you are and not know how to set boundaries and then conciliate to other people's demands of you and you're experiencing role confusion also. Correct. But there are some people who know who the hell they are, they set boundaries, and they're the same person forever. I can't say that I was like that, you know? Same here. Yeah. So I, going okay. through role confusion, um, but eventually arriving at I know who I am, you acquire the virtue of fidelity. And that goes with the old adage, you can't love somebody else until you learn to love yourself because the next stage is intimacy versus isolation. So you'll be stunted if you exit that stage confused about who you are. You'll, you won't have fidelity. And right. then you'll go into intimacy versus isolation and you're going to be struggling and you may end up isolated. You know, that doesn't mean that everybody who goes through that second stage, which is like your late 20s and early 30s, necessarily who, you know, I divorced, so I'm technically isolated. But there's a virtue gain from that crisis as well. Every crisis that you go through in these stages of development have a virtue gained. So the virtue gained from intimacy versus isolation is love. So that's super cool, man. Yeah. If I'm isolated, but I think I do know how to love, even though I'm divorced, you know, so maybe I don't, <laughs> maybe I'm a cold ass motherfucker, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> how does that transfer over to the FGC then? So that's the demographic. And I call it demographic instead of market. 
again, we were talking about um, the overlapping and eventual eclipsing of community as a group and industry right. as a group. I think now the community has condensed to, to one where you can't really speak your mind freely. You're censored. You're tied to contractual obligations yeah uh, i would yeah, mike ross went through that yeah he, perfect he, example he, he chappelled the fgc you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that's way to did. put it yeah. yeah um so let's see it let, let, let me try to explain it this way um that overlap is a sign of the subculture of the fighting game community which is a subculture of the united states culture uh but that macro culture the United States culture is, is also going through that. Everybody's watching their P's and Q's because of cancel culture and call out culture. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's really like what caused what? Is it because the industry has overlapped and eventually eclipsed the community? Or is it because uh, the com- culture, the United States culture at large, has embraced calling people out? And, and that may all be a function of the Internet. Everybody using the internet and uh, modern transparency uh, and, and lack of privacy. And so this goes into more dysfunctional manifestations and personalities of fighting gamers. So in my mind, uh, a manifestation of that is uh, online, again, anonymity versus offline authenticity. Right. So w- what happens is as they're going through identity versus role confusion – they're going through the pressure of exposing, exposing things or exposing themselves almost to the point where it's voyeuristic, exhibitionist, like people are, are disclosing too much about themselves out into the public sphere because they need some drama to shake up some attention towards themselves. You know? as, as you say these things, mm-hmm. do you, did you personally see this happen with anyone in the, in the Marvel 2 community early on? Or oh, you, or you felt like they were going through this role confusion, yeah. uh, trying to discover who they were. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, if you want me to name names, anybody <laughs> they can speak on, because I know there's one name that kind of comes to mind. Uh, you know, um, I feel like when you, what you just described right. kind of applies to applies to Dark Prince. Oh yeah, uh, Justin Jordan. Yeah. So definitely. Um, I knew Justin when I was <laughs> in my uh, primitive mind competing with Evolution tournaments. <laughs> I didn't really know the powerhouse that Evolution was going to become, but I knew about Battle by the Bay series. And, uh, you know, I, I had a kind of... Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead uh, I kind of had a vague awareness of, of the Cannon Brothers and, and Wiz running all of that stuff. But I was competing with them because Wiz was kind of a monster online. Uh, and I don't mean like the crack porn uh, monster <laughs> incident thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was he's kind of strange offline too. Uh, shout outs to Wiz though. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> a weirdo. Hey, I hope, hope he's doing good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Wiz got his name from uh, people who were sysops back then uh, when they were kind of uh, draconian in their their op uh, privileges yeah and would censor people uh, they would uh, they were also called wizards in some of the uh, spaces that they actually were ops in but uh, wizard kind of became synonymous with somebody who did it and was oppressive 
So he embraced the name, you know, or as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong, you know, get mm. Joey Cuellar up here and have him, <laughs> oh you know, God. yeah, set the record straight. <laughs> but, uh, so he embraced being a ruthless iron fist in the FGC. And I think this is my sense of it all. The Cannon brothers needed that. They needed like an enforcer who could set online boundaries effectively so that they could somehow, uh, parlay the online group into their offline venues for these tournaments. And they were successful at that as a group, uh, Cannons and, and Cuellar. And uh, I didn't like the way Cuellar did that and the way that the Cannon brothers would look the other way. Uh, so I decided to have my own tournament, uh, the Team Rico Throwdown. We called them the TRTs. So we had, uh, well, the first one was just Team Rico Throwdown. Where does it, what, what year does this fall under? Shit, man. This must have been 2001. 2000. 2001. Yeah. So you're already you're already throwing and organizing your own uh, events. Yeah, and that's because I had experience uh, interacting online. Yeah. So I knew how the offline activity corresponded to the online activity and the actual intersections, like when it was authentic versus the discrepancies when people were just talking shit. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't like the drama. I wanted to be one of the authentic guys, too. So I made sure that my tournament uh, was like an authentic thing. Drama-free, mm -hmm. no animosity, just keep it clean. Yeah, and competitive, too. Uh, right. Yeah, I never liked being accused of being a toy group, uh, Team Rico, and uh, now Supercuts. Well, Supercuts is over, but, yeah, you know, I didn't like uh, having uh, the people in the groups that I organized being accused of not playing good enough. So I, I always trained them hard <laughs> yeah. uh, or I, 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 I was kind of a bully. I was kind I of mean, a bully to my group. Yeah. That's just the competitive nature when you're passionate about it. This isn't just a hobby. It's a craft that you want to no better yourself in. Fucking and A. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that it's just, oh, dude, you're into it way too much. You're kind of obsessed. But right. they just don't understand that this is a passion that we have. So how did that first event go then? Because we were talking about Dark Prince. Yeah, right. We're going to get to him. Okay. Um, TRT1 was just Rico guys. Just Rico guys. One of the guys, I think it was Donovan or Joe Ha. They had their, uh, like in a little apartment near where the eventual venue for the rest of the TRTs was going to be. And we played like at their pool gazebo and that was TRT one. But then TRT two, I made sure that we had uh, Bannockburn, which is over there at UCR. And it was big, like what you would consider now a, a, a proper venue for a tournament. And, um, I advertised it both online and offline. I passed out printed colored flyers at all the arcades in Riverside, San Bernardino and Moreno Valley. And, uh, so the attendance was like half locals and half FGC guys, killers, you know, they showed up, they took it. I don't remember who won TRT two, but TRT two was my favorite tournament because I got the local and the, the star people. And oh, then, that's cool. yeah, yeah. And TRT3, the locals had gotten their ass whipped so bad that they were a very small percentage at TRT3. That actually showed up again for TRT3? Right, right. Wow. They didn't show up I for see. Yeah. most, but we had the same amount of attendance. So we had more SRK players coming to TRT3. Anyway, Dark Prince came to TRT2. Uh, I passed out the flyer to an old arcade off of Highland and E in San Bernardino called Gladys Games. 
And Gladys Games is where I found most of the IE guys that I know today. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And um, Duck included. Like, I found Duck at Moreno Valley Mall. That was a random encounter. But then he wanted to play me at Gladys Games. He said, come, come. I'll play you, and I'll prove to you that this no-assist shit is bullshit, right? <laughs> and he did, but um, I met a whole bunch of other guys there, and, and I saw him. I saw Duck Jr. I also saw him a couple of times at Golfland, but... Again, this is like in hindsight. I never talked to him, you know? And uh, when he came to TRT2, his parents, his folks are a lot older than he is. So I thought they were his grandparents when they rolled up. They rolled up and say, is this where the Street Fighter tournament is? And I was like, <laughs> yes, sir. You know? And he goes, oh, good. My son Justin's coming. And then they got in the car. I swear to you, they got in the car, they rolled up, and then a second car came, and then the kid came out. So it felt like to me, like, damn, who is this kid? Yeah. (laughs) And he came out, and, you know, Justin, he got that chucky smile. He was happy. He was like, I don't, okay, he was born in 88, and this must have been 01. So you guys did. He's 13, 14. Yeah. And he came out, and he had a fight stick, and he was happy as hell. And, and, he was a kid. So I was like, Hey man, what's going on? And I, you know, I took him by the shoulder. I let him in there. Uh, I told him, you know where to find this, you know where to find that. Let me put your name on the bracket. Uh, if your stick shorts, cause we had the dreamcast shorting problem back then too. Uh, we'll, we're going to put in a defective stick pile. I explained to him, I was wow. an organizer, you know? Yeah. And I took care of him, you know? So he always remembers me that way. And I always remember him as a kid. So he's he's endeared like yeah I'm endeared to 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 Dark Prince right right in cool. spite of all of the things that he did later on you know so you talk about role confusion right um, you know he was a good kid he was smart and as he grew up you know I think he's from Rialto <laughs> but anywhere anywhere if you're from Muscoy San Bernardino Rialto fucking Bloomington any of those areas Fontana Bloomington yeah yeah if you're sure. from any of those areas life wasn't easy you know yeah. like uh the ie uh baseline foothill yeah i've seen it personally it's not it's no walk in the park over there yeah waterman and san bernardino like those are not easy streets yeah. you know it's rough and yeah and uh so you know it makes sense to me that by the time he was a little teenager like he was a good kid and then as he grew up he just became like real like wild and practically violent you know and right uh i still liked him (laughs) (laughs) i still liked him and he never fucked with me he never like stepped to me and and did any of that wild shit to me like same thing with my chaos you know i met my chaos at gladys games too and my chaos is a you know serious guy and he always respected me too that's cool, man. Yeah. Like, I always thought, like, man, I'm next. <laughs> like, if I do the make the wrong step, if I put my quarter up and take my turn early, these guys are going to get in my face, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think that did happen, inevitably. It always happens when you go to the arcade. And he confronted me, but it was uh, noticeably different compared to other people. And in the late 2000s, you want to talk about uh, the progression of Duck Jr. and, and role confusion. Yep. In the late 2000s, he started kind of finding himself as a fighting gamer, I think, uh, because he switched his name. 
from Duck Jr. to Dark Prince. And it was like a rebirth. When you were talking about you rebirthing your name, I was like, there's a part of me that was like, damn, man, like identity versus role confusion. But at the same time, I was like, it means a lot, you know, for some players to to change their name and and, and live as someone new. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's kind of like a rebirth, like a Phoenix kind of thing. For me, it was kind of like shedding the skin, shedding yeah. the old skin and just coming out. And now it's deep breath. But it's like that rise of the Phoenix kind of thing. That in, yeah, in a way. About. Anyway, that, at least that, that's how it was for me. I mean, it, it might have been the same for him, but who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, he hated it. Like, he, man, he would get in people's faces if they called him Duck Jr. He was like, Back to the Future 3, Mad Dog. I hate that name. No one calls me Mad Dog. You know, like, <laughs> he got in people's faces if they called him Duck Jr. from that point forward. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna call him Dark Prince. It's like, no, I'm not gonna fuck around with that. Dark Prince, it is. Yeah, because he got into some real like intense uh, stare downs and mad dogs that I saw at, at James games. Like uh, one time, I saw him get in somebody's face, and I think it had started because either the guy didn't like the way Duck Jr. played. You know, Duck Jr. popped off. Like he started popping off like real, like grandiose in a grandiose way when he would win. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And by popping off, you mean he would gloat after a win. He was dope. He would man. say, "Like I see some of the videos where he does that shit, and I see his little, like his little braids and shit, <laughs> like moving and shit, like when he's doing that." And I'm like, "Fucking, he's compelling. He's compelling." It's a, when it's he, a polarizing figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm just from way out in the boonies in the IE too, and I like that shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he would do that, I would be like, yeah. <laughs> so um, he got in this guy's face at James Games. And like I said, it could have been about anything. But the guy was taller than him. You know, Dark Prince ain't the tallest guy. Guy was tall. And he just said, what I'm asking is if you want to go to jail tonight. And the guy was like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm saying, do you want to go home or you want to go to jail? Because we can do that. I'm willing to go to jail. What about you? And I was like, damn, what the fuck is going on over here? <laughs> I was just watching from, I think, the third strike cab. And he said something about having some shit in his trunk. You know? So I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, Justin, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Like, I just took his word for it. You know? And I was like, yo, like, <laughs> uh, what's going on with Dark Prince? You know? Like, some shit I, I lost track of. You know, and and so uh, I started going to uh, FGC stuff around 2004, 05. So when I showed up, it was very infrequent. And so because it was infrequent, again, I'm seeing his, his progression. Um, it's kind of spaced out, right? You see, you can't help but compare these these checkpoint marks of, of when, when you've seen them the last time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like seeing a kid, you know, like if you haven't seen a kid in years and all of a sudden he's grown up. You know, yeah. But if you see him day to day, you don't notice, right? Right, right. Because it's incremental. But at this point, I was catching him in places, and I was seeing that he was kind of wilding out, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I can't, I can't influence this. You know, it's so, it's, I'm not here frequently enough to 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 get in his it's, ear. It's too far gone, you think? Mm. Or it was at the time? I didn't even know the extent to okay. to how far he's gonna hit. Uh, I wouldn't call it rock bottom, but how far he was going to go with all of that. Uh, so I saw the, uh, 
the video, the famous video with him and, and Mike Chaos and Sammy. And I saw the uh, the wig fall video. This was while I was in the Air Force. Sorry. Uh, I joined the Air Force in 2008. I was 27, uh, just before my birthday. And uh, I was a really late guy in the military. Like, all the kids around me were, like, 18 years old. Uh, but I did six and six years and some change. I got out in 2014. I missed the entire 09 era. I missed Street Fighter Four. I missed uh, Marvel Resurgence that you guys were going through. I missed... Um, wow. Uh, Third Strike Online uh, and Marvel 3. I missed all of that. Uh, um, you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to have missed it because, uh, again, in hindsight, when I got back from the Air Force and I realized, like, Mike Ross is famous now? Like, the greater force from NSJ? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't, don't know that. Yeah. The greater force. <laughs> yeah. And OG, um, uh, Gutex, I didn't even know who he was. He knew who I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard Gutex. stories that Gutex knew who I was, but I didn't know who he was. Uh, and I heard that later, you know, that Gutex was complaining about me and beating him with low-tier James games back in the day. But I think he had long hair and he dressed like a Generation X slacker back then. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I can't really speak on that. But my question, my question to you, and this is going back to the, the Justin video with Mike Chaos, is yeah. who the hell is Sam? <laughs> because one of, their, he got... <laughs> one of their road doggies man because <laughs> this guy just pops up in the video now i know a lot of people are probably wondering this too he pops up and he's like yo man we got some mad cheese real talk <laughs> on the west coast guys yeah. who is this guy an enforcer bro a button <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me this guy's respect the... <laughs> sammy <laughs> you're telling me this guy's the kevin nash of the, the group the diesel Hey man, he's a tall dude, man. He's black backup. He was black up. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, like I think I saw Sammy a couple of times uh before the video, maybe at James Games, but I don't know if he really played or anything. But hey man, he was rolling with them and you know, he was backing them up, so fuck it. And you he know? just like, he just disappeared right after that into obscurity. Yeah, man. Fucking one hit wonder. Yeah. <laughs> it would it would appear so. Yeah. Shout out to Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I saw that. I saw the clockwork thing. Uh, you know, and I was like, damn, you know, Dark Prince is really, you know, wild now. And I came back from the Air Force in twenty fourteen and I started trying to catch up with some of the old Rico guys. Uh, and one of them, Dark Mage, Oscar Oriana. Oscar, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Oscar. Right, right. And um, he was telling me a story from way back in the day. Uh, so this was before I joined the Air Force, like in the mid-2000s. I, again, led up on functions. I, I just stopped showing up. Uh, I had put Rico to bed by like 04 or 05. And uh, – there were some tournaments that continued. There's a guy who was the son of a swap meet owner named Eugene. Uh, and he had two swap meets, Bel Air swap meet in Bloomington and pro swap meet in San Bernardino off of Mount Vernon. And pro swap meet had like a little community center in the center. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had to park, which took forever because every Mexican in San Bernardino was at pro swap meet on the days that it was open. You had to park... You had to go through the swap meet, which was like a big parking lot area as well. And then you made your way to that candy, candy covered center. (laughs) And they had uh, new brand new cabs. Eugene made sure of that. Capcom Coin Up of America closed, I think, in 2003 or four. And then they took all of their inventory. They gave it to a company called Hanaho Games. Okay. 
and he had Hanaho cabs, which were basically Capcom level cabs, and he maintained them. So you would go into this community center. One thing is uh, he had this giant ass fan because there was no central air. Oh. It was hot in there. <laughs> but shout outs to Eugene. Um, and he asked me to organize some things. And I said, well, they're not Team Rico things, but I'll do it, you know. And so we did some written bracket tournaments. Uh, wow. At Look at that. Pro Swap Meet. And I may have started a trend because some of the guys at the tail end of Rico uh, who who did TRT4 against my will, by the way. Uh, Shout-outs to Pigadokin, uh, Deus, and UC Rollerblader, Jesse. <laughs> they, uh, they put my TRT name. I said, I'm not going to do another TRT after TRT3 because I wanted an arcade. I wanted a proper venue. We had a pile of defective sticks because of the shorting. That was my solution back then. You know, I know you guys, you guys will just reset and then play again. Yeah. Like I was like, get that stick out of here. I thought it was the sticks problem. <laughs> oh shoot. So I said, we need an arcade. So TRT four, I held that name hostage. I'm like, you, you can't use that name. Cause I'm team Rico. And when I stopped doing team Rico stuff, uh, Jesse, uh, Albert and, uh, Bill, Bill Wellman, they did a TRT four, which pissed me off <laughs> to this Damn. day, to this day, <laughs> pissed me off. And um, uh, <laughs> they they continued with that tradition because TRT4 was pretty successful. They they had a lot of SRK people that I really didn't know. I think Fat Toy and Chunksta and Amir showed up, and I'd never seen them before. Mm -hmm. So this was me exiting and them entering. And um, they continued with their uh, tournament organizing tradition at Pro Swap Meet, as I understand it. They had some Pro Swap Meet tournaments. And uh, I think this is a story from Dark Mage about Dark Prince. Dark Prince can come from Laos or Azerbaijan and set the record straight if he wants to. Uh, I actually retouched, I got in touch with Dark Mage this week to make sure that to the clarify. story, to make sure that this story was right. And this is what he said, because he's practically a functional alcoholic you know so he was like i don't even remember that man <laughs> i don't even remember that shit bro all right for those of you guys that are listening this 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 podcast i, I fear it's about to come to a screeching halt because uh you're about to hear some real shit uh what joe's about to, about to break down for us go ahead brother all right so uh at that point uh in the mid 2000s dark mage and dark prince were rolling around together dark mage was uh like when team rico stopped he he didn't you know like a lot of the team rico guys got caught up in gambling and uh -huh. online poker and stuff like that in the mid 2000s uh but he didn't get distracted by any of that he was rolling around with dark prince to ffa to camelot to whatever place that they could find to play and uh one night they went to pro swap meet and i believe in this story he said go ahead and tell the story bro I don't I don't I may not remember it but it sounds about right <laughs> that's how the alcoholic haze man. <laughs> but okay um Dark Prince was driving that night and uh Dark Mage was his passenger Bill Wellman was there and Bill Wellman perfected Dark Prince I don't know if it was tournament or off the tournament but you know getting a perfect in Marvel 2 that's a stigma back then yeah yeah <laughs> 
It's it's practically impossible to get a perfect in Marvel 2. Very different. All, all you one-hit kill motherfuckers who can do it now and brag about how many perfects you got is still fucking hard back then. I think it's still hard today. <laughs> Congrats on your execution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Bill, who I saw the, the genesis of his MSS nice. back when he was in the Rico days. Um, Bill fucked him up. Uh, and then Bill, he's like Jim Carrey in, in Living Color. You can put him in a group of black dudes and he'll have them all busting <laughs> up. You know, he was a white dude from Temecula, but he's funny as fuck. So he is, he really is. Yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> he was finding excuses. He was a smart dude. Like he, he found excuses like in Mad Libs to insert the word perfect to clown Dark Prince. He was like, yo, man, could you give me another one of those drinks? That would be perfect. <laughs> like he was just finding ways to say perfect to clown him. Oh, and everyone was laughing and Dark Prince disappeared. And Dark Mage, you know, where's my ride? You know, so Oscar went looking for Dark Prince. He crossed the swap meet, went into the parking lot after looking for him everywhere in the community center. And found him in the car, but he was in the passenger seat. The glove box was open and he had a gun and he was stroking the gun and he was like rocking back and forth with that smile and going like, you know, like he was just gonna, muttering. Yeah. Muttering like he was going to do something with it. And, you Jesus. know, Oscar was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I need to ride home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he was like, don't, what the fuck is wrong? Blah, blah, blah. It's cool, man. Don't worry about it. But Oscar talked him down. Yeah, yeah. And Oscar, when I checked back with him this week, he was like, that sounds about right. I, I did that a lot <laughs> with <Wow>. Dark Prince. <laughs> That's and cool, Dark man. Prince, you know, uh, he would have fucking... <laughs> I mean... Beatrix kiddo kill Bill. <laughs> he yeah. would have killed Bill, man. <laughs> if Dark... <laughs> Dark Maze didn't talk him down. Yeah, he would have been Beatrix <laughs> Shoutouts to Kill Bill. Dude, what a crazy turn of events. Can you imagine if Oscar hadn't gone out to look for him? Right, right. How things would have played out. If, Who knows, Because man. he was obviously contemplating it. I, and, I, want, uh, I want Dark Prince to talk on this story. I really, yeah, I yeah. never asked him, you know. I, uh, the thing is, you know, when you're with homies and they're real, yeah. You know, like, and you hear some shit about them, you wait for them to disclose that. You don't say, yo, man, I heard some shit about you. you don't do that. You know, like if it's like some wild ass shit, like mandated reporter type shit, then maybe you want to <laughs> ask them, you know, yep. like, did you kill a motherfucker? Like, I can't hang out with you, you know, but like if it was some shit, like some drama, like you just waited for them to bring it up if they wanted to, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So uh, I never brought that up with dark prince that i heard that story i already knew to respect justin you know growing up seeing seeing how he came up well but, this, this is what that game does to you though it, it was almost like an extension of what of, of yo, yourself oh man like, it's an extension of your of your physical self and if yeah. somebody insults that then they're insulting you it can happen and i th i think that his threshold for disrespect was just at a breaking point yeah. already hair thin yeah right, yeah and a lot of people in the community were like that nowadays it's like you don't like people like to talk shit, but you don't really know who you're dealing with. Somebody who's already snapped and oh, ready to uh, do something. somebody popped off at me at New Super in 2018 or 2019. Because I think uh, Watts reopened Super in Azusa yeah. April 2018, and he had to close September 2019. Right. In that little time span, uh, you know, he was running tournaments every single day. 
like shout outs to Watts. Yeah, like, putting I, in work. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, and um, some guy from the four era, I think, uh, he was uh, playing on the Marvel Two cabs. Uh, he had a line of uh, fighting game cabs there that we called the Pit, <laughs> because it was so close to the tournament area, and there was like no room for a group to amass behind the cab and wait for their turn. Right. So you had to kind of like file into the Pit if you wanted to get your next, and. Um, there was some guy who was playing Marvel 2. He beat me. Uh, I was using Double Wolverine, but I wasn't fucking with Marvel 2 back then, you know? And he beat me with some kind of commando team. It might have been like Cable Sentinel Commando. And oh, Team Scrub. Yeah, Team Scrub, yeah. And um, it's not, you know, that's not a brag <laughs> to beat Wolverine, but I guess it's a brag to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but um, he won. I don't think he even knew who I was. And then... Uh, I wanted to uh, run back, and he just walked away. And what? Yeah, back in the day, that was like, don't do that shit, you know? Yeah, man. But he, he wasn't from back in the day, you know? He was like a new schooler. He was like an 0-9-er, which at that time, he was an OG. You know, if you're an 0-9-er and you were in the game for 10 years, to me, you're an OG. So it was 2019 or so. Holy shit. So like, back then, of, back then, that was a sign of disrespect. If somebody wanted to run back and you just kind of walked away from the cabinet... I guess. Like, I mean, uh, you, you, gotta, you could hold your L. Yeah. You know, you could hold your wow. L, but uh, it, it was like if you saw them there for a long time and then all of a sudden he wouldn't do it. You, it's the same thing in Fight Cade. You know, if somebody ends the session and you're like, ah, you know, like yeah, yeah. it's worse than holding, just holding your L, you know, but whatever. It was what it was. I hated that shit, by the way, bro. <laughs> I hate that shit. I, I didn't like it. Uh, and he, I, what I didn't realize because I wasn't, in tune with what was going on on the tournament floor, which was a streamed tournament that Watts was also running, uh, that he had he had been called. I didn't realize that because mm -hmm. I'm an arcade guy, you know. So uh, somewhere between his match and then he got off his match, then he came and played me again, and I beat him. And then he tried to get a run back. He he was reaching down to put his quarter in. I said, "Whoa, that would be wild if I uh, if I just walked away right now, wouldn't it?" I just said that shit. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and he got pissed. He got pissed. His name is Mark Teddy. That's his name. I found, oh. out, I found out later. Yeah. Yeah. I, Shout outs to him, though. You know, he got in my face. He got, he's like, oh, he got in your face? Yeah, he got in my face. Yeah, he's like, the fuck, bro? I got called to a tournament match. I don't play this shit here. I don't play this old shit like you old ass uncles. Like, he says some shit like that. Oh wow! And the Street Fighter Four guy player. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't back down. Uh, I didn't back away from him, but I was just like, "Hey, man, you know, like I was like talking to him, like, look, man, like, don't get in my face over this bullshit." And then Watts pulled him off, and uh, Watts told him, "Hey, man, he's a, a good friend. I don't give a fuck who he is. You know, he was hot." <laughs> wow, <laughs> this game really does something to you, huh? I don't know. Like he was, you know, he was in the zone. He yeah. was, he was playing tournament matches he was in the zone and uh you know he was using marvel to keep his hands warm i guess and uh we didn't reconcile or anything but later i found out who he was and i was like oh, okay so you know he's just a young high head you know <laughs> i mean but, he's not that young <laughs> <laughs> I well i mean young, here's the thing like the way i see it uh you can be uh, a senior or a junior in age or you can be a senior or junior in 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 the in the fgc 
you know, I never saw him back in the day. Maybe yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. Maybe he was rolling around back in the day. Uh, so, but since I never saw him, that's why I consider him, you know, young. But I think Watts said the same thing that you just said. I think Watts said, "Oh no, he's about our age." Uh, and I was like, "Wow, I never seen him before." And he was like, "I never seen Joe before. Like, I don't give a fuck who Joe Zaza is." Yeah, I think that he he was primarily a Street Fighter Four player. Yeah, and and, and as, and as you mentioned, yeah, you missed era, yeah right. you missed that whole era. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So when you came back from the Air Force, did we already go over your transition from fighting game player to supercuts? Are you are you ready to get into that? Yeah, sure, sure. Because so, I, I think now you're you're at the point where you are. Done with Marvel 2, I think. I was done with the FGC. You were done with the FGC was, in general? I was like, I'm an adult now. That's yeah. how I felt. <laughs> so what compelled you to start this fighting hub for, for local players to come in? And- life events. Life events, like I said, intimacy versus isolation. I got a divorce, and uh, we hit the seven-year itch in our marriage around that time. So things started to become strained between uh, shout-outs to the ex-wife, <laughs> to her and I between her and I uh, she didn't like particularly coming back to Cali um, when I was stationed before I got out I was in, in Fort Meade Maryland somewhere between uh, DC and Baltimore okay uh, the NSA and um, because I was an Intel analyst I had the opportunity to keep my security clearance and roll that over into a contract job which nice. could have given me six figures And all I needed to do was get some certifications while I got out, and then I could just transfer into a nice six-figure job. But my brother had passed away in 2010. My mother had passed away in 2012. Two of my grandparents died in the early 2010s as well, and my father was back home, and he wasn't taking care of his own health. My sister, she obviously was in a grieving state. She couldn't really nurse him, uh, and she was becoming uh, an adult of her own. So my dad was real sick, and I found that out in 2013 when my uh, paternal grandfather passed away, and I, I actually got emergency leave to come back to Cali and bury my, my grandfather. And my father looked like he was going to die. So I said I can't uh, discharge from the Air Force and stay in the East Coast. You know, I got to come home. Yeah. I'd already felt guilty for not being home when my brother and my mother passed. Like, I felt guilty for joining the damn Air Force, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I said, I got to come back. And um, he told me that there was a job opening at the Social Security Administration in Riverside. Hey. I applied for that. Um, but I was also suffering. I had a disability. Um, and I uh, filed for disability compensation with the VA. I got 100%. That's how I make hey, my living now. Nice. Yeah, I'm shout, retired. <laughs> shout out to that. I see that every single day at the federal building. Yeah, right. Um, these, these veterans that come in, they've put in their time, and then they got to get paid. Yeah. So good on you for getting those benefits. Enjoy it was hard. It, yeah. yeah, it was hard. And uh, it was also something I was going through kind of PTSD about because of being stationed in Maryland. I was by Walter Reed Hospital where a lot of the wounded warriors come back home to and they lose their limbs. And some of those guys don't get 100 percent. Yeah. And so for me to get 100 percent, I was tripping. I was like, I don't I was going through a long period of time like I don't deserve this shit. Uh, And my disability is pretty invisible. So people are like, you ain't disabled. You know, and I got to deal with that shit, too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I got out of the Air Force. um, 
my my ex-wife was not happy about being in California. She even predicted that when we were out processing out in uh, Maryland. She was like, I have a feeling if we go back to Cali, our marriage is going to end. And I said, well, then that's a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm going back to take care of my family. I'm your family too. Yeah. You know, we had already discussed it and she, she had seemed to agree, but in hindsight, her unhappiness was uh, out ranking uh, whatever she was telling me rationally. Right. You know? So anyway, we got back. Our relationship started to get strained while I was working at Social Security. I had to leave Social Security because uh, they were not accommodating my disability. They were constantly counseling me for returning to my position. So my disability, I'll disclose that. I have an overactive bladder. So I get up and go to the bathroom a lot. And I control that in ways that you shouldn't. Like I dehydrate myself so I don't have to get up and go to the bathroom all the time. And while I was working, inevitably I had to go. And I guess it was too frequent, uh, me leaving my position and coming back. And they had like four ways to monitor me <laughs> by eye, by video camera, by login and by uh, keystroke or, or, or telephone, something like that. And they kept telling me like, well, you need to be at your position. I, and I had already disclosed my disability to them. So I was like, well, what the hell? Why do you keep counseling me in front of other people? Like I disclosed my disability to management, not my peers, the people who are sitting around. Yeah, me, of course. And you're putting me on blast. You know, I, I don't I didn't like the way it felt. And I was talking to the union, trying to find a way to keep that job. But I was on probation for the first year, so they could have just fired me That's like unbelievable. that. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So it just got too much pressure. I got into a car accident heading to the VA, and that was my wake-up call. It's like, I got to leave this job. And I'd already been coming home and talking to the ex-wife about it. Like, I was telling her, like, I can't take this. Just stay, stick with it. Like, she wanted me in place there for some reason. I think because she started doing things behind my back. Um, and I didn't. I kept telling her, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I, I hung out for months because of her. Uh, but when I got into that accident, I said, fuck it, I got to leave. So I did, and um, she wasn't happy about that because I was, I was at home. Uh, and I had gotten my 100% by that point. So I was at home. I didn't need to work. Being there all the time got on her nerves, and uh, she uh, left. And she didn't leave until 2017. So during the time that our relationship was strained, um, that's when I started playing. And I did it really, really reluctantly. Like, I didn't want to pick up the stick again. Like, my okay, I like bat tops originally. I don't like lollipop sticks. That's what we used to call them. And um, there were some arcades I wouldn't go to, like Arcade Infinity. I wouldn't go there because they only had lollipop yeah, sticks. Yeah, that's right. You know? yeah. And uh, every stick in the mid-2000s was the Mad Cats, TEs. Right. They had the lollipop sticks. So my sister bought me one and was trying to like uh, tempt me to play again. And I was like, fuck that stick. No. <laughs> and you know what? I think this is, this is before... People knew how to modify them correctly or, or do modifications. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like, no, this was like the era where people started fucking with mods. Like, I, you, you're right that they didn't get, like, so masterful at it as they are now. Yeah. But people were beginning to. Um, and they modded back in the Mastic days. Uh, Multi-arcade stick. You, you, you heard about Mastic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout-outs to Reynaldo and Tao. They, <laughs> R.I.P., uh, right. the, the the people who, who ran that place, they, they burned in a fire. Yeah, they did. And to their kids, uh, 
Anthony and uh, I forgot his sister's name, but shout out to them. And people were modding. We used to call them soft springs, hard springs. Instead of uh, what they call gates now, we used to call them four ways and eight ways. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. That's what I remember. Perfect 360s. Yeah. But now you guys say square gate, square octagon gate, gate, octagon gate, gate and yeah. circle gate. But like, yeah. I mean, you said it yourself. Going to Arcane Infinity, it's not like you can say, hey, let me open this shit up and put my own spring in yeah, there. Nope. nope. Couldn't do that. Yeah, people played there. Uh, there were third strike players there. Yeah. And so it was like to my chagrin, I was like, damn, like I want to play with them, but I can't play on that stick. Yeah. Um, anyway, that stick pretty much re- became more standard in the 2010s. And my sister bought me that stick. She was trying to tempt me to play. I was like, nah, I'm a man now. Fuck that. And uh, the strain that existed between my ex-wife and I, um, the, it created a distance. And I didn't have much to do after I had gotten out other than try to get myself ready for going to grad school, which I've been doing forever. And I still haven't gotten into a master's program. But um, yeah, I eventually jumped on Third Strike Online. That's That was my next question is what right. was your weapon of choice and it was Third Strike? Yeah, because... Um, Somebody put the digital download of Marvel 2 on my PS3 and I played it and there were some things that were just, they bugged me too much that uh, like wouldn't happen in the arcade or the Dreamcast version. So, and... One it, frame jumps. Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys could probably speak on that. Yeah, more. yeah. I just understood it intuitively. You know, you guys could probably break it down technically. Right. But uh, I said, especially with lag, this was like my first encounter with lag. So I was like, this is impossible to play this game. Uh, I ran into a guy that I used to be able to beat. And this, oh, is, this is not something that like I'm impugning or putting down because he got way better. He got way fucking better. But I went to Arizona and I played uh, Charlie Goblin back in 2003, I think. And then I found him online Damn. in the brief moment that I, I flirted with Marvel 2 online. Yeah, he was on there and for quite a bit. he destroyed my ass. He destroyed me. Like, it felt like when I used to fight Sumaiti, he felt like a fucking fly all over my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did get a lot better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, that's I was what like... I would run, yeah, I would run sets with him on that when Back when, like, I knew everyone else, like, more intimately uh, at least in this community uh yeah. to run sets of charlie goblins yeah. shout out to him shout outs to him like yeah, but, but, but playing third strike online for me it feels like it would be a nightmare because if you're used to okay sweep right. and then you're tapping forward because you're anticipating the parry the parry right and then you just don't get it because yeah, oh there's it, a skip it'll, it'll drop yeah uh, oh man that's gotta hands. be that's gotta be frustrating as somebody yeah. who relies on split second decisions right like yeah. me well, it's just, okay, so I'm going to just put this out there. I like Third Strike more than Marvel 2. Yeah. So I was willing to go through that hell uh, and adapt. Uh, I wasn't willing to with Marvel 2 at that point. You know, I was like, yo, man, like, you ever heard about uh, B-Boys in New York, uh, breakdancers? Yeah. The old B-Boy crews, like Rocksteady crew, there was a video of Crazy Legs, and he was talking about uh, there was a resurgence of B-Boying in the late 90s. And he's like, these new B-boys, they got rockets up their ass. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, they're doing shit that we couldn't do back in the 80s, you know? They were doing, like, these crazy new power yeah. moves and shit. Yeah. And so that's how I felt about Marvel 2. When I got back in 2014, I went to Rubillionaire's house. That's where I, in my mind, met you. Because you saw me at James Games back in the day, but I didn't know who you were. Right. And so I actually acquainted myself with you at Rubillion's, uh, Rubillionaire's meet in Colton. 
And uh, when I played with you guys, I played with uh, Juan Carlos and I played with Crispy and I played with you and my chaos, even my chaos was way better. Yeah. You know, like I was like the game done evolved, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not fucking with it. You know, like, um, and I'm not again, trying to impugn you. Obviously I can't. Um, but the sticks, I didn't like the sticks that you guys were passing around that I played on that night. So I was like, okay, I got to get into the whole stick issue. And then I also got to get into the, these guys are evolved versions of me back <laughs> in the day issue. So I, it's like, I, I'm twice removed. <laughs> I got to plunge in and, and really establish, reinvest and establish myself in the game. So take that, transfer that to my online attitude. I was like, no, fuck this game. I'll, I'll play third strike online. You know, uh, so Charlie Goblin, if you're listening out there, you got me to drop Marvel 2. <laughs> <laughs> Retired. So what, yeah. what, what were you using at home then? What was your equipment? Uh, it was a Mad uh, Cat's TE, uh, oh. the first one. But you put a ball top on there? Uh, yeah, I got used to the ball top oh. as I was playing uh, online. I played very little in, fuck, what year? In 2014, I was still at Social Security Administration, and mm -hmm. I was kind of moonlighting with it, but I really wasn't warming up to it. In 2015, I think I left Social Security in June that okay. year. And uh, I started playing uh, more often. Not addicted yet. You know, I did get to a point where I was addicted. But I, I started <laughs> playing in 2015 a little more. And um, I was getting accustomed to the ball tub. Exactly. So then how did Supercuts come about then? Because now you're back You're back in it. You're You're kind of warming up to the new did you notice any changes in the meta from what yeah. the, the way the online players were, were playing compared to how what you were used to back then well what i noticed is that when you play online you get to a point you have this adjustment period if you're a complete offline player you have this adjustment period where you learn about uh what is it called rollback and rollback and, netcode yeah you know you you start to adjust to uh issues of rollback and input drops and right. You adapt, and at that point, you know, you can't really trust your eyes, but you can trust your hands. So uh, when I was going to, I still was trying to play offline. I was still going to James games to get games in Third Strike. Mm -hmm. And I got uh, put on by uh, Arcade Maid. Shout-outs to Sherry, uh, who worked at James games. Oh, yeah. She introduced me to Dawn. Uh, she gave me a card for Dawn's Arcade, and I never went. Like, I think I didn't step into Don's Arcade until, like, late 2016, but she gave me the card to go to Don's, like, in 2014. And um, when I would play at the offline venues, I realized that, that, you, you know, it's just an eye-hand thing. You know, trust your hands, not your eyes. Yeah. Uh, so the people who persisted and played well online, you really didn't see that difference that you're, you're, you're suggesting. You okay. Um, you just could trust your eyes now because you were offline, yep. you know? So Supercuts came about because um, I was still playing online and offline. And uh, I don't want to throw back too much, uh, get me off of the sidebar if I go into a tangent. But when I started Team Rico, I started it because that guy I mentioned, Moval, Mike Ortiz, he, uh, like I said, he was bullying my brother and I for not having a car. So, and, and they were also saying, if you don't play a golf land, you ain't shit. Wow. Yeah. And I played at tilt, 
timeout, fireworks, uh, James games, uh, student unions at RCC, UCR, San Bernardino, Gladys. Like, I, you know, I, I played at a lot of local places and I got good games with good players. So I was like, the fuck is this guy talking about? Right, right. You know, I, maybe I didn't go to all of that spread out area that I was talking about, but I was playing with good players. I was having hard matches and I was kind of in denial about the big fish and little pond kind of thing. So you don't think that Southern Hills Golf Land was the definite measuring stick? I do. For talent? I oh, do, do think it was. Oh. But uh, at the time, I was in denial. I was okay. resisting right. that. I was like, I'm good. You know? And uh, you I'm, can hold, you I'm can hold smart. <laughs> Not dumb, like people say. You know? like. <laughs> so um, I went to Golf Land. Finally, my brother, my brother went first, and then we went together. And I was like, "All right, let's see. Is real in the field, right? Let me let me get in this shit. You know, let me find <laughs> out who you know what's up, who's good." And I did pretty good. I did pretty good when I got to Golfland. So I was like, "What the fuck is Mike talking about? He's just talking shit. You know, <laughs> he's just mad because we." We didn't even have to win. We just got close. You know, all we had to do was get close and he would get pissed. You right. know, uh, we didn't call it salty back then. <laughs> we get pissed and threaten people. <laughs> so, um, you know, Mike was kind of the reason that I decided to do local things because I was like, you don't need to go out there to LA to do all of this shit. Like, we can do this shit out here. So, Mike unwittingly started my kind of grassroots mentality in the FGC. And so go fast forward to 2016 when I started Supercuts. Um, uh, I hadn't realized while I was playing online, I kind of heard this already. And I don't like this class. This is the introduction of class. That's why I threw back to Mike. Nice. Class. I don't like class in the FGC where people think that they're part of upper class elitism. Right. You know, I'm more of a populist, not an elitist. Right. So um, there was this elitism on Third Strike Online that Xbox Live was the superior network to PSN. So yep. if I was playing good players on PSN, they were like, those good players ain't shit unless you come to Xbox Live, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> like, that's what I was hearing. That is what I was hearing. Shout out to the accent. <laughs> 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 like that's how I hear it, man. Well, we, like, had, honestly, we, had, we had the same thing over here with Marvel too. We, yeah. The Xbox Live versus PS3 debate is yeah. it's eternal. Yeah, yeah, and it was Kang Van Trin. It was uh, Exodus. It yeah. was Exodus who was organizing a lot of shit. And he shout outs to EXO uh, TFC, the the Fall Classic, his old uh, Third Strike tournament. Uh, and he was a hell of an organizer, and he would uh, broadcast and stuff. Which back in the early 2010s was. Again, for eggheads, not everybody could do it the way people do it now. Yeah, uh, it's still hard. You know, shout outs to everyone who broadcasts, but back then he was one of the only guys who was doing that. So uh, that's why he got that notoriety and he got that he established that reputation for Xbox Live being better. In addition to whatever technical reasons they say that Xbox Live was simply faster than PSN or whatever. Yeah, you know. But I fucked on PS, fucked with PSN. That's what I did. You know, because it was free and I don't want to play no fucking subscription. You don't want to pay nine ninety nine a month? No, I didn't want to pay nothing. I, I was like, I'm. Yeah, I always hated that, man. I was like, I'm acting juvenile just for playing fighting games, you know, in my 30s. So why the hell am I going to go all in and pay for it? That 
that was more my mentality. Makes sense. Yeah. So PSN, I was playing and it was kind of the ghetto between the two uh, networks. And I was like, yeah, I'm from the dirty ghetto, you know, like <laughs> you Xbox Live guys, you want a piece of my shit? Come, come see me. <laughs> and some of them, they played in both worlds and they had this secret cabal WhatsApp chat <laughs> among them. Oh, wow. And they were talking about me in that WhatsApp chat because some of the guys who would play me would message me and tell me like, yo, man, you're fucking 12. It's dope. It's fucking off the chain. Like you're the only 12 player. What's up? Come to the WhatsApp chat. They were trying to get me to go in. And I was like, Groucho Marx. I was like, never be part of any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> you and your little third strike cabal can get fucked. <laughs> that was my attitude. You know, so, uh, you know, shout outs to everybody in the WhatsApp chat, though. <laughs> <laughs> shout outs to the third strike cabal. <laughs> um, and those guys, some of them were actually playing at Dawn's and the Boiler Room. And the Boiler Room is kind of, uh, in my mind, it might not be, uh, but in my mind, it was a extension or echo of FFA. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, Ricardo had the cabs, the big blues that oh, he linked. Oh, I had no idea. In there. Uh, yeah, and uh, he, he maintained them, and he set them up for broadcasting. And a lot of the old FFA crew, uh, shout-outs to all of them, Yeah, uh, started playing at uh, Boiler Room. Uh, named because, you know, pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, those guys were fucking dope. And so when I play a Boiler Room Cat on OE, it was always like, damn, you know, it's always a hard game. And and like I said, you don't even have to win. You just have to get close. Yeah. yeah. Especially with low tier, you know. Right. And Because right. uh, it invalidates it, so that's, much of like, yeah. you know... <laughs> I hear that shit all the time, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll ten o somebody and they'll be like, yeah, but every match was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or every match was. Yeah, like, don't like, get me wrong. Like okay. my chaos will do that to me. Like you got to bring be, this up uh, like after I'm done talking about the introduction of supercuts. My bad. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> It'll be like a first of five, and and I'll win like five one. He'll be like, yeah, but like three of those matches, I almost had you. Yeah, you lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out Get to fucked. Mike. <laughs> no, yeah, Mike, Mike knows how to hold his L's. But still. <laughs> That's arguable that Mike knows how to hold his L's, but yeah, he yeah. knows how to hold his yeah. L's. Um, so so go ahead. So how did, how do we get about go Yeah, about yeah. This? before uh we continue with the intro to Supercuts, I want to say you got to bring up low tier uh, in uh, after this. Uh but so I was playing with these OE guys. They were telling me that they were buzzing about me behind the scene the scenes backstage and i was like i like whatever like talk to me offline really yeah because that was always my thing you know talk to me offline don't don't talk about me online you know and uh some of them wouldn't talk to me when i got to don's you know um some of them were giving me the cold shoulder um eventually uh i i established uh acquaintances and, and some rapport with some of those guys okay. but they didn't really validate me until Arliath uh, Arliath uh, Thomas Shin he knew me uh, he knew me from the Golfland days he used to play with Ken I and Ebma and uh, when they saw me at Don's the day that Tom came then all of them were kind of like yo you know he knows Tom you know so they they really weren't like validating me when I first rolled around Don's you know and I didn't care what they were saying about me online. So um, 
I, Supercuts was kind of born from that kind of class inequality, the same class inequality I experienced in the early 2000s, uh, in the late 90s. You know, I was like, I, you know what? I got to do this shit again. Like, I got to host and organize a place for motherfuckers who are not getting validated nice. by elitist groups, yeah. you know? And uh, part of it was me sticking to not being cab, too. Like, uh, I kind of, in the mid-2010s, I was like, it's got to be, I got to pull new blood from the online group, not, like, uh, try to get talent, quote-unquote, in here. Like, all of those guys who play at Don's probably don't want to drive all the way out to the boonies in Moval anyway. Right. You know? So I was like, let me let me grow new seedlings out here. So I recruited a lot of offline people from James Games, and uh, I recruited some online people. I, I actually talked to people. I was that creep. I was that creep <laughs> who would be like, yo, man, where you from? Online, right? And people would be like, I ain't going to tell you where I'm from. I'd be like, why not? <laughs> Come chill. What was it? <laughs> you got a low ping. You must be from SoCal. <laughs> and some of them you know i cast the uh, net i didn't catch too many fish but i did why don't you have a seat right over there (laughs) i I did it anyway i didn't give a shit this whole dauber thing coming up bro. you know what i'm saying this guy yeah i've been accused of that you like you like capri sun yeah I've been accused of that by a lot of the young cats in Supercuts. They're like, so Joe, is this how you get the kids? Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I'm just not afraid to talk to anybody who plays Street Fighter. Like, I'm like, I talk about it. Like, I know how to flex between the technical side of it and the intuitive side of it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a street guy and you don't fuck with frames and all of that and, and all the talk and positive, negative, any of that, I can still talk to you about it. I know I, I code code switch basically. Yeah. Uh, from street talk to to college talk. Yeah, about, I was never a frame guy, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to do that because, well, maybe I had to because these are the laundromat pizza shop days, you know. Oh, right, right. And those guys who played at the laundromat and pizza shop, they I still, uh, I went to a Palm Springs meet. Shout outs to Marachan and Dabs and Cabs, and he had a guy named Gabriel Partigi. Shout outs to him. We were playing, and I started streaking him, and I knew exactly why. Like, it's funny because we were running. It was like first to, I don't know, first to infinity because everybody had gone to sleep. So he and I were just running at the end of the night. And he started getting rounds on me because I was basically playing on autopilot. And then I finally woke up out of my slumber, and I was like, hey, I'm going to close the gap here. Like, I'm tired of him getting these fucking rounds. <laughs> so I, I actually paid attention, and then I focused up, and I said, okay, now I can tell him technically exactly what's going on, like where I, why he's losing. So then I gave him the last game. I got up. Uh, Marachan has it set up head-to-head in two different rooms. So fucking dope. Nice. His setup. That's His sick. floor plan is dope. That's sick. Man. So I walked into the other room and then I started talking to him. I was like, hey man, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And he immediately got put on the defense. Like he was like, the fuck? You know, he's like a street dude from LA. You know, and I was like, oh, yo, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to fuck with your head. I'm trying to tell you this because I, I want you to do better against other people. I guess that did the trick because he was like, oh, okay, okay. Then yeah, you start. You had to click. Listening. Like it had to click for yeah. him to listen. Right. You yeah. know? 
and and then he did like i gave him an entire lecture after that and he was like yo yo i never thought about it that way you like, know open so, up his mind a little bit you yeah you got a code switch yeah anyway yeah um so supercuts uh 2016 i did that i got people online to come out shout out to high ranking srk um and uh it started out with just like three setups and i had set up a ps4 for street fighter 5 nobody played on that motherfucker yeah. <laughs> nobody like wanna... we we left it out there two sticks uh a couch the monitor nobody wanted to play that thing so everybody who was showing up to the early days of supercuts and we we divided it into seasons i guess it was in my head because of the seasons of street fighter 5 so we did supercuts season one through four and we only had four four years, uh, almost four years of supercuts, and uh, which is which is no easy feat to I know to maintain. Uh, I didn't know how burnt out I was until it ended. Yeah, I didn't. I was just doing it. I was so the, it, so, so the the main goal. Do, do you think it was you just wanted to give players a safe haven for them to perfect their craft without any of the unnecessary pressures from the from, elitism? Yeah. Yeah. How did you? Because you're you're a guy that's always had structure, and I w I've been a member. I'm still a member of Supercuts. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah, in right, that group. Right, so, right. going back and looking at the old posts and seeing how dedicated you were, like it's to me, it's awe inspiring because nobody's done it like that since, Damn. and nobody's done it like that before. I think in in terms of that kind of dedication, because oh. you you hit all of the P's and Q's to explaining how many setups you had. What equipment, the type of monitors you were using? You said, "Hey, this is the the make and model, basically, of what we're using." Yeah. If you need extra switches, if you need buttons, whatever the like, you had everything covered down to the yeah, T. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like great. it became that. It became that because when I started, yeah, I I stocked the equipment. Like, uh, anybody who didn't show up to supercuts, like everyone who did, knows. Uh, my house became dedicated. Like, my living rooms didn't have couches in it. They That's had right. games. That's right. You know? Like, I lived in that house, but there was, like, the front part of the house, and there was the back part of the house where I lived, you know? But I even sometimes slept on the damn Supercuts couch. Like, there was, like, the way I had set up the room, the couch belonged to the gamers. Right. You know? And sometimes I slept in that room. Uh, this was after my divorce, and I was depressed and shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the entire... The dining room, the living room, and the family room were all devoted to it. We had uh, parts, spare parts, organized yeah. for uh, stick modification. Um, we had a, a table, uh, and people would bring it. Uh, Shout-outs to my, my homie, best friend, Action Hank, Quentin Taylor. Yeah. He, he and uh, Bloops, uh, that's uh, Brian Gutierrez, um, and uh, Tanner Priest, that's Killer White yeah. Shark. These guys would always throw their hand in and help people mod their shit and put LED lights, whatever the fuck they wanted. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that all stemmed, like, that was all offshoots that I did not actually plan for. It's just culture that grew around the structure that you talk about. Well, anybody who anybody who was a part of that group and would see your post your, prior to the, the session, yeah. they knew exactly what they were getting into, even if it was their first time going or if they had been there a week after week, they knew... Hey, this is the schedule. We're gonna meet up at this time. Doors open up at this time. Mm -hmm. We're gonna talk about a few things. Yeah, we always huddled. Uh, huddled. Food, that was a yeah. controversial part of supercuts. Uh, when we hit max attendance, I would have everybody shut off the games, 
and get into his circle. And I called it the huddle. This is after football because, uh, you know, the team is putting their heads together. And even though we all fight against each other, this is internal, uh, you know, sharpening. Uh, eventually, the idea was Supercuts was going to go out to different venues. And at that point, they were going to stand in solidarity as a team. Nice. So that's, that's why I called dope, it the huddle, man. you know. And uh, a lot of them didn't understand that. A lot of the guys who attended Supercuts, they were like, why the fuck we got to turn off the games and listen to you? And this is a, a thing about hosting. You know, you talk about different roles in the FGC, not just the player hat. You know, there's the promoter, there's the host, there's the venue provider, there's the organizer. And each one of them, they're nuanced. You know, sometimes somebody can wear all of those hats at once, but they're, they're really specific requirements for you to fulfill those roles. And uh, I, I always kept that kind of division of labor in my head. You know, so I knew when I was being a promoter. I knew when I was being a, a host. And um, this was kind of a new thing I was foraying into, you know, doing the huddle. And I explained it to them, you know, I'm trying to decentralize attention from myself. I don't want to be the center of attention. Like, y'all come up and do the huddles, please. Like, that's part of being a host. That word, decentralization decentralized from yourself this is an attention economy now you know we make money by getting attention yeah you know and people get caught up in that shit like they really start believing delusions of grandeur clout. become yeah clout and narcissism clout, yeah. you know and and so introduce a little bit of compassion introduce a little bit of empathy into it um suspend your enjoyment just for a little bit so that you can make shit happen right you know, so I always, that was part of the huddle. I was like, I want you guys to host. And they'd be like, oh, okay, Joe, you do it. That was m more often than not what I got. Yeah. So the agenda for the huddle was always past, present, and future. And my idea behind Supercuts was the lifeblood of the FGC is low stakes casuals. That was always my thing in my head. And I divided stakes you know, there was low stakes, medium stakes, and high stakes. So low stakes is, is casuals, and they have to be frequent. If they're not frequent, then the fuck, it's a kickback, you know? Uh, medium stakes is a tournament with maybe like a small size pot or bragging rights or some prizes. Uh, pretty dry. High stakes is when you start getting into, you know, Marvel 2 has always lived at high, high stakes. High stakes, correct. Money matches, Money matches yeah. or really big pot tournaments, like prizes that are like in the thousands. Yeah. You know? Watts said that when he did New Super. My favorite game is Marvel 2, man. It's I've the only game with hype, bro. I've always... Does <laughs> he yeah. sound like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always found that fascinating about Watson, though. Mm -hmm. Considering the fact that he is an OG Street Fighter 2 player. Yeah. And, like, for him to say that, like, he considers Marvel 2 to be his... It was a smart move. Well, you, you got to keep head. in mind that he... Why is that? Why I, is I it think that, that he, he feels that it was more lucrative for him okay. in terms of money because he's a side betting monster. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, so I've that's the, that's that's where he he obtained the biggest return I think is with Marvel he's 2. He's a businessman. Yeah. And he and I talked a lot when uh he opened New Super. Uh you know, we were kind of contemporary venue providers, but he was on a level like business level. I, right, I was right. like a non-profit, yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. So, uh he would ask me and it didn't take long for him to realize when we were having those chats in his office, you know. Oh, okay, so you do it this way, but you do it that way because you don't have a bottom line. You know, and so I was like, oh, yeah, 
Pretty much. Yeah. And he was like, all right. So I see. I guess he kind of took what I was doing at Supercuts as kind of like uh, proving grounds, you know, which is what businesses do with nonprofits in, in the corporate level, you know. So, uh, you know, I was happy to even have him listen to my shit. Like, he's such a su super duper senior to me, you know. Um, and uh, can you help me get back to where we were talking well, about before that? We were talking about the huddle. We were talking about the huddle, and I was, right. I was talking about how this, that you always had structure, and there was always something to follow. Yeah. And you, you were always trying to put value behind why we're having these sessions in the first place. And for me, my biggest regret is that I wasn't able to go out to as many as I could have just because of, oh, the, yeah, don't just trip. Because of the distance. Don't trip. Yeah. But hearing you talk about people that didn't want to like, all right, I'm like, really? Like, we're, 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 right this, yeah. we're right in the middle. We're right in the middle of a round, right, right in the middle of a match. Like you want me to press pause? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me sad because you're kind of missing the point of why, why you're here. Right. To begin right. With. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so that's the thing in my mind, all players are eventually going to wear those hats. Like, I consider it like a new dimension of being a player. You know, you, you just evolve, you get older and then you, you just gonna through, through logic and common sense, want to give back. I've noticed that that doesn't always play out. You know, most people in the community, like there's a lot of old heads in the community and they still, they follow the same modus operandi that they used to. They, they you know, they use games as a pastime, like to get drunk and play. Yeah. You know, and, and, Shout outs to everybody who likes to party, but I'm just saying that, you know, when you're sober, I'm a religious guy, by the way. Uh, I'm a Baha'i, uh, B-A-H-A apostrophe I. And uh, in the Baha'i faith, uh, we're supposed to abstain from promiscuity. Uh, we're actually supposed to be chaste, no sex outside of marriage. So chastity, uh, uh, abstain from uh, any intoxication and not gamble. So I never got into money matches. Wow. And so coming from that perspective, uh, it's like I'm always, there's a window in front of me between people. You know, like I'm, I'm from the outside looking in at whatever y'all are, are getting into. You know, and... That uh, explains a lot. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's taken me a long time to realize that because I always threw myself in. Another rule of the Baha'i faith is uh, no asceticism. So we're not supposed to go into the mountains and pray and uh, detach ourselves from what's actually happening in society. We're supposed to get into the mix. Wow. You know? That's crazy. And it would be a lot easier, just like uh, hijabs, like the the, um, the uh, covers that Muslim women wear in cer certain countries to um, kind of prevent the man from lusting after them. Like that's right, the reason right. it exists culturally. That's, yes. that, that's kind know? of a challenge though. Being You're supposed to stay connected to society, but abstain from abstain from lot. certain things yeah. you're yeah, supposed to live tough. austerely yeah you know so i just threw myself in the mix and i didn't see myself like apart from other people and it's taken me a long time like with a lot of hindsight a, a whole collection of retrospection to say damn you know that's why that's why yeah. these guys won't take off the player hat and and join up and do these uh organiz organization level kind of stuff yeah so i kept it structured trying to lead these guys, these players, and Supercuts in a kind of a way. I love every single person who came to Supercuts, but it kind of came a failure to me yeah. in the sense that these guys would always come and smoke out and drink. I always had them smoke outside of my house. Of course. You know, like the boiler room, 
is uh, got a reputation. Well, it's closed now, by the way. But the boiler room had a reputation for being a dank hole. <laughs> like you went in there and you knew where you were at. But uh, Supercuts, we had them smoke in their car, smoke out by the bridge, and they get they come into the fucking house blown. Like they 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 couldn't even play right, you know. And they'd get drunk too. Like I, they were drinking in my house. I, I didn't mind open uh, alcohol containers in my house or anything like that. Yeah. So they get really drunk. I had some guys that I had to ban. I had some guys oh, I had to ban because they got too, you know, they were driving home drunk, and I didn't want to support right. condone that. Yeah. Uh, but in not, the, not uh, to ma- not to mention that you were on uh, on your place was on base, right? Yeah, yeah, my place is uh, on the old side of the March Air Reserve base. Yeah. So it used to be part of the Air Force base, but then when the perimeter shifted to the reserve oh. base, this neighborhood remained kind of in the civilian area. Okay. But it, it was a gated community, so everyone thought it was on the base, and that kind of helped with security. Like there was like this perception in their mind of. Oh, if we if we do anything here, it'll be a fucking felony. Yeah, or you can't you can't mess around. Yeah, and that's not true. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to have had that perception. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the end, reflecting on supercuts, I said, you know, I was no more than a liquor store, like a corner liquor store, like people. And, and that's not the truth. I still have players from supercuts coming up to me and giving me testimonials yeah. for those three and a half years that I was doing it, telling me, you know, you changed my life and yeah. all of that, and I love them all. Uh, but I do know that it could have been better if the culture, the situation would have not had any intoxicants in it. Right. But you can't do that. Like I'm part of the broader culture, you know, like this is SoCal, you know, people drink. This is the the left part of the country, the Democrat liberal side of the country where we got free license to do all those things that the Baha'i faith forbids me from doing. Right. And I got to respect those people, you know, so I can't be like, you know, shut off all the intoxication. I, I Maybe if I would have been brave and then I would have caught less fish and things would have developed better if I was brave to do it, but not quite that brave yet. Yeah. You know? I think that you did, you did a lot, a lot for them. And like what we talked about last week is that it was a thing. It's, it's a very thankless job. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to share some of the quotes, um, certain select quotes that I obtained from the group, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, Joe, would always post up a, a preliminary post, like I mentioned, before the session to kind of give everybody an idea of what they were getting themselves into. Uh, and then sometimes you would you would do a post-session post as well, kind of going over the results. Yep. Nobody has ever, I've never seen anybody recaps. do that. Yeah, yeah a recap, yeah. yeah. So you would post results. Everything had meaning behind it, I think. Yeah, thank uh, you for noticing that. Yeah. Of course, of course. And, and here are a couple of quotes that I wanted to share. Um, Whenever you would kind of close off your post, you would say, uh, thanks to everyone who continues to support quality offline play in an online world. Yep. That that one stood out to me a lot because your stance was was always, there's nothing like playing next to, next to the person yes, yourself. I agree. Yeah, like check it out, man. You just can't shout replace out. that experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Um, shout outs to everyone who plays online. Like I'm not, one of the old uncles, you know, I, I used a, a good comparison, Joe Buttons and Lil Yachty, that, that uh, interview <laughs> yeah. where he was laying into Lil Yachty. And I'm from Generation X. Uh, I, I think Joe Buttons is born the year I was born, 1980. So I'm, I'm right there with him in agreement. Like, I, shout outs to skinny jean rappers, you know, shout outs to mumble rap. But like, I'm right there with him in terms of like, how can you have done this to hip hop? Like online, 
and the 09er generation, how could you have done this to Street Fighter? You know, I, I have the same, uh, uh, like, pent-up feeling in my heart about it. But unlike the rest of the angry uncles <laughs> who wouldn't let go of their anger, you know, I, I still threw my hat in organizing FGC community stuff, you know, functions. And I knew I had to let it go. And that was another one of those uh, conversations that I used to have with Watts at New Super because he'd be like, so you train people? You know, and I'd be like, yeah, you know, like I make sure that, man, you know, we, we grew up in the school of hard knocks. Like, we don't do that. We just fuck you up. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I grew up in that school, you know. But uh, something I noticed about millennials. Okay, millennials are older now. You know, y'all, right? What year were you born, Ivan? 88, actually. 88, yeah. right. So something I noticed about millennials is they're the ones who kind of ushered in cancel and, and call out culture. There's, they got a sensitivity. You guys get called snowflakes for it a lot, and I hate that too. But there's sensibility. Just, just annoying, man. There's sensibility in your sensitivity. Like, you guys just became a lot more um, uh, well-versed in the vocabulary of humanities, like psychology and sociology. You guys say terms that in the 90s were really academic terms, but you guys just use them all the time. You guys have an awareness of when things are inhumane. Right. Like bullying, cyberbullying was something that in the early 2010s, the millennials were like, "That's this has got to end." There was that push, you know. So I accepted that about the millennials that their sensibility and you guys' sensitivity, and so I try to find the sense in it whenever you guys would complain about things. And it isn't just you that's into it. Like I got Generation Xers who tell me like. You know, like I said, I used to bully people back in the day, even offline. You know, I used to tell them, call them out and tell them they sucked and we'd give fucked up nicknames yeah. to people. Yep. You know, like, that's your name now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, what's your screen name? Nah, it's this. <laughs> that's your name. It's your new name yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it's crazy to see, like, the, way, the stuff that you were putting up in the group. Um, yeah, yeah. I had to turn over a new leaf. I got, I got to get this one out here because yeah. this is what I was referring to earlier when you were talking about giving people a picture of what, of what they're getting into. Yeah. This is from a uh, 2016 post, uh, June 21st. You put, uh, for those of you who are new, our group primarily plays uh, Street Fighter Three Third Strike. We normally play on PS3 slash 360 setups with all kinds of fighting sticks, but we're open to alternate controls and setups as long as those proposing can provide a system and at least two sticks to run it on. We have three main setups in my house with three lagless screens. Mm -hmm. Setup number one is on a lagless 50-inch screen. Setup setups numbers. I gave set, all the specs. Setup numbers two and three are 30-inch, with number two screen being doubled to a 60-inch screen that projects onto the main area. Facilities at my house include a kitchen with disposable cups, a water cooler, sink, microwave, and a fridge for drinks. We also have a dining room available for those wanting to make food runs, a bathroom, and three getaway spots as featured in the photo album entitled Joe Zaza's Place. There's also trash cans in each setup area, a cell phone charging station, and safe places to put all of your stuff down. I also keep a little lost and found area for people who happen to leave their stuff behind. I hope everyone that's been invited can make it to our meet someday and see you here. Like, who does that? <laughs> That level of like that, dedication to that's if that's not love hey, for yeah. the community. I'm, I'm so fucking modest that to me all of that sounds like a creepy ice cream truck guy. <laughs> Come on in. 
But you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's that if you cannot recognize that as love for the community yeah, or living for a higher purpose of, of something to accomplish, I mean, right. I don't know what right. is. Right. Yeah, like I said about identity versus role confusion, I um, by the time uh, my ex-wife had left, I, I had to embrace it as an identity when I was doing the community things. And yeah. the community supercuts. Some of them know this. They they helped me out of that. They helped me get over my divorce. I loved that girl. <laughs> I absolutely adored her. Uh, I knew her from way back. I th- we met in 2000, 2000, you know? So I was devastated by that. I'm over it now. You yeah. know, I even pray for her, which is a miracle. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was devastated and getting over it and Supercuts helped me do that. The FGC helped me do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I tried to show them love. That's that's good to hear, man, that it was, it was something that you kind of strayed away from for a little bit. You joined the military, you came back, took care of the family and then you kind of found your home. It was serendipity. It was, it was not by my uh, own personal decision. It was, it was again, like with fighting games, something that I used to hang, hang shit over. You know? What do you think was the deciding factor in closing up shop? Because eventually oh. you, had to, you had to get to that point. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. So uh, we got shut down by the housing office. Oh. Because uh, we brimmed over. Like my average headcount went from the 10s to the teens to the 20s. And then toward the end of season four, our, my average headcount was 38. And Holy it, 30 sh- was a magic number. Like we were waiting to get to 30. And when we finally got a head count of 30, we were all like, whoa, but everything changed. It was like, you know that scene in the last uh, Dragon Ball Broly movie when they're fighting and they're fighting and it's getting so fucking wild and all of a sudden they're in another dimension? Yeah. That's how I felt when I hit my 30 head count. <laughs> oh, like, I was like, this is a whole different game. Like, I was like a Mater D. Like, I, had to, I couldn't sit down. I had to be up and circulating and taking care of issue to yeah. issue to issue while the head count was 30 at Supercuts. And these guys were going outside. They were bringing over like a fucking popcorn kettle. Like they were, they were, yeah, spilling into the outside. And we were hollering so loud with the stream. And you know what? Uh, I didn't even know about Team Spooky, uh, Furby. I I didn't know that Art Sanchez was doing this shit on the East Coast. I I don't know Art Sanchez for a long time. He was a good friend of my brother's. Um. And people are telling me, you're kind of like Team Spooky. I said, the fuck is Team Spooky? Like, what you comparing me to, you know? <laughs> and then I saw it and I was like, yo. Immediately insulted. Yeah, yeah, I was. What? I was. But then I saw it and I was like, oh, shit, this is art. And I was like, oh, shit, art's doing the damn thing. <laughs> like, yeah, and he was doing it better than me because he, he had his shit retrofitted into cabs, you know, and he had like uh, adapters for every kind of control. He was doing what I was doing, except I was doing it on console. And I was insisting on doing it on console. I still, to this day, if I ever restart uh, uh, an organization for the FGC, uh, I aim to make sure that I accommodate. I'm all inclusive. Yeah. Cab, to me, cab is almost a representation of elitism, you know. Um, it, see that. It's just really hard to get a hold of them in CRTs wow. now, you know. So, no, no, anybody who wants to collect them and only play on them, fine. You know, keep doing that. But you're referring to cabinets? Yeah, cabs. Okay. Yeah, arcades. Right. Yeah. uh, I'm just, you know, I'm like, let the damn thing go. Yeah. You know, that's not how people are playing anymore. And eventually, you guys are going to be like, you know, they're going to have ocular controls. (laughs) Like, you have a fucking contact lens, and that's how they're playing. Like, and you guys are going to be like, I don't know why people play like that. And it's going to it's gonna move ahead of you. Well, right now, it's a whole controversy with the hitbox. Yeah, right. Uh, SOCD, simultaneous opposite. 
yeah. cardinal directions, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking yeah, hitbox. Jesus Christ. I mean, what we're dealing with now in the Marvel 2 is what is the most optimal way to play in terms of uh, monitor? And I think that Thrilla, general, he's found an answer right. uh, in, in a specific. What's his answer? A, I know well, the monitors that he that he's using are are VGA. Oh shit! But, yeah. but they're but they're not bulky. They're they're, they're slim. No, yeah. no, they're very slim. And, slim VGA. Huh? And right now he has two of them. He he has two that he uses at at his shit, session. Our and, supplies need to. to and increase. they feel and they feel great. Like shout outs to him for having yeah. procuring that. But like our procurement in the FTC as organizers needs to improve like yeah. we need to start thinking about spending money like, well it's an investment yeah i agree yeah, i agree yeah. completely we need to because uh there's no way that we're going to be able to supply uh uh i do want to throw this out there um there's different levels to an activity you know like i said about a kickback if you have one single screen a couple of modelos and you're just fucking with you know one game and in, in a rotation that to me is a kickback uh if you have nice setups and you have, like I said, accommodations, like I said in the Supercuts uh, message board, and it's clean. That's, that's what I call a playground. You've, you've upped your game from kickback to playground. If you have a, a, a setup that has a mirror screen, so a screen where spectators can gather, you know, you have, uh, you know, maybe possibly head-to-head and a mirror. So player one gets his own screen, player two gets his own screen, and the spectators get their own screen. All of a sudden, you have guys gathering in the folded arms critical pose, (laughs) right? And that folded arms critical pose, that's what makes it a fucking scene. It's not a scene unless you have a group of spectators who are all being critical of what you're doing because that's the only way you can flip it into a clutch hype moment. They all, they're fucking haters. They're the haters club. They're watching you. They're waiting to get next. They're like, the fuck is this dude going to do this better than me? Waiting to get on, rotate on. And then you do some shit in clutch. And even though they're impatient, they go, ah, because you did something that fucking impressed them. Right. You need a spectator screen. You need a mirror. So to me, it ain't a scene unless I see a setup that has a mirror. And then on top of that, if you have broadcasting, if you're broadcasting a head to head with a mirror, then that's, that's potential for a league. So we've gone from kickback, playground, scene, and league. Wow. And there's something above league. There's something, uh, to me, uh, like you can have your own insulated uh, league in the local area. But if you have multiple leagues in different areas, that would be how we organically get to what esports is trying to do with the FGC. In my opinion, esports never harness that market. They never harness that demographic because they don't understand it. We're a demographic of headstrong motherfuckers. Yeah. Yep. You have to be a headstrong person to play Street Fighter and deal with KO. To deal with, you got your ass knocked out. Yes. Get up. Winner stays, loser pays. Get the fuck up. Yep. You know, without going, no, let me get a run back. Get the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> I got next. You know, that's Street Fighter. <laughs> yes. That's Street Fighter. You got to be true. a headstrong motherfucker true, to play Street it's Fighter. It's true. It's you true, know? definitely. And so... Yeah. I love the FGC as opposed to the FPS community and the MMORPG community. Shouts out to them. Esports is taking care of them, you know, but the FGC, in my opinion, never got harnessed by esports because they don't understand individually, person by person, per capita, every head in the head count, that we're headstrong, skeptical group of people that if we smell blood in the water like sharks if you have an ounce of self-interest 
in harnessing this community. Barcode just opened. And Barcode, the owner, he was like, this could work. I mean, you guys do this? You guys really play Third Strike on a regular basis? Yeah, motherfucker, eat, sleep, parry. Like, that's what we do, you know? And he was like, okay, this can work out. And then all of a sudden, that operator, like Rick at James Games, he'd get overly involved in the tournament and ruin it, you know? Uh, all of a sudden, they're fucking our shit up because they're trying, again, with an ounce of self-interest to harness and control the community. This is an uncontrollable, unruly group of motherfuckers. That's and you right. got to be aware of that. You have to remain cognizant about that while you're dealing with them because otherwise they're going to step. Yeah. They are. They, and they're going to take people with them because people come in tribes. You know, there's a go-to guy. You bring maybe two or three guys with him. And when he steps, those two and three guys are leaving with him. You know? And, and that's how you get head counts is that, you know, you assemble tribes. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got enough tribes in there and you got 30 people. And then that's, that's a thing. Yeah. You know? Do you think that Supercuts will, will ever come back? Not under that name. Like, no. uh, Supercuts uh, departed from Team Rico as well. You know, Team Rico actually stemmed into a group called Riverside Riot. Shout outs to Kraken Atkins, who continued uh, doing activity in Riverside. Uh, but uh, when Tony, Transman, and I, we uh, brought together team, uh, Supercuts. Also, shout out to Bloops and Reggie D. Hunter. Oh, for sure. They, uh, they were the founding fathers of Supercuts, basically. And uh, Tony... I was like, what, what are we going to call this group when I created the Facebook message group? Nobody fucks with Facebook anymore, but back then in the yeah. mid-2010s, the people were on it. And uh, I said, what are we going to call it? Let's call it Joe Zaza's Place. <laughs> and he was like, no, fuck that. This is Tony. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's call it Team Rico. Team Rico 2. And he was like, no, nah, Team Rico's dead, yo. Like, we got to call it some sh other shit. And I was like, all right. And a few days prior, uh, Reggie was playing with us on Xbox Live. I eventually uh, succumbed to the pressure to jump on Xbox Live. I think I did it for like a month. Okay. But Reggie was there playing with us. And three of us, Action Hank, Transman, and myself, were taking turns going on Reggie. <laughs> and he, he kept using SA1 Ken, which is low tier. It's uh, sure you repa. You don't use SA1 Ken. Correct. You know? And uh, he kept... Uh, misconfirming it because you know SA3 you can confirm f low forward from really far out SA2 you got to be up in his face with a double low short and you can't even do the double low short confirm so yeah. we were like why are you picking the damn super and I was trying to like message him and he was just like it's just my style Joe just fuck your style like <laughs> get better you know like and he wouldn't so we eventually stopped that session we the three of us piled into the car went on a food run and I said why does Reggie keep picking that super uppercut super? You know? And then Quentin, he just portmanteaued it. He was like, huh, super cut. You know? And we were Damn. laughing because it was a dumbass, one of those dumbass jokes, you know? And then Transman, fast forward to when we were creating the message board, he was like, Team Rico 2? Now fuck that. It's over. What do we call it? Super cuts. Nigga. And I was like, <laughs> what? Super cuts. And I was like, Nah, this man, <laughs> no, he that is a no. dumb fucking name. Like, he's like, Team Rico was dumb when you picked it. And I was like, it was. <laughs> but That's I was true. like, I was like, ah, you're going to make me do it, aren't you? And then I, I created the brand for it. I got the impact font, which is the same third strike font. And it was settled, you know, so that's, that's how so the name dope, came up. Man. Yeah. All right, Joe. We're getting to the point where we got to start wrapping it up. I did have a few uh, questions for you. 
right. First of all, if you want to put your competitive hat back on, we need to talk about the run back. Is there any loss that you wish you could avenge present day? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, Chris Schmidt. Oh! Uh, 2003 or four i don't remember but it was a evolution where we had a three-man tournament and i was on a team with mike z and vegeta x i think and uh the team we fought was taiji ace shout out Mm -hmm. um chris schmidt and combo fiend and combo fiend always did me like trio of killers combo fiend always hyped me up and i think he could have whooped my ass like we never had a public real good match but he always acted like he was scared of me and i was like you bullshit man like you probably whoop my ass and he was like no joe you whoop my ass and i was like nah but anyway <laughs> he was in the back and i wanted to get to combo fiend because i wanted my high profile match with combo fiend and uh taiji higher magneto crew <laughs> he fucking took out both of my guys in front i was the anchor in the back which mike z and i fought for uh i got to i showed up to the venue it was cal poly pomona and there was a casual room and Mike Z actually grabbed me and he said, hey, I think I should be in the back because my team is super good. And I was like, theory, bro, theory. <laughs> like I play at golf land. I never see you at golf land. Like I play against good players. Like let's fight for it then because I should be in the back. And I beat him. Like he had a great team. He was like juggernaut, Colossus and Tron. Some, like, it, was, uh, you know, do- it was Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom, yeah. Tron. He, and, he, uh, and he and uses juggernaut. Splash yeah. for, for juggernaut yep. assist. Yeah. You'd yeah. set up with the Tron. Um, and Tron. to play that with Wolverine and not get become a grease spot, you know, like I, I did it. Like I beat him <laughs> That's crazy, that day man. a lot. Like I think we had like 10 games and then I said, I'm in back, you know, <laughs> and he, he conceded and then he got taken out. You know, yeah. but shout out to Mike Z. He's still a good pl- player. He's a good player. And the but, creator of Skullgirls. And the creator of Skullgirls. Damn right. But um, Mike Z uh, in the front, uh, Vegeta X, Taiji took him out. And then when I came up, everyone was hollering. Uh, and I beat Ace. I think Ace froze up, to be honest. Oh, like, yeah. Ace is a logical beast. I mean, you guys probably have beaten Ace. So you guys are like, eh, we can't speak to that. But like, Ace is a smart no, guy. No, he's good. He's good. Yeah, he's yeah. a smart guy. So I was like, if I think like he just got clouded by this is Joe, honestly. And and that happens to me a lot. Like a lot of people when they fight me, they're like, this is a name. And then they play less. It's that pressure. Yeah, yeah, they play less good uh, than they would otherwise, yep. you know. So anytime I won high profile matches, I always kind of dismissed them. But I beat Ace. Uh, and the whole crowd was hollering. And then I never, I don't know who, I didn't know who Chris Smith was at the time. Uh, and I think he wasn't even a big name yet. You Chris know? No, not yet. Problem. Must have been 03, 04. And I know uh, vaguely he's known for MSP now. Uh, but uh, if he's like a rushdown, one hit kill MSP, check it out. Like he ran for me. He won that match by running. Really? Storm, yeah. And I dropped, this is my fault that I lost. I, I, my finger hit the wood instead of the button on uh, a lockdown string that I was doing on him. And if I would have gotten that lockdown string, I would have taken him to the corner and I would have maybe uh, flustered him and took the match. But he got out and he ran, ran, ran. The whole crowd was like, boo, boo, because he ran from Wolverine. But he knew not to fuck with me. But afterwards, you know, uh, people were disrespecting him and I didn't like it. I said, I hate Storm after I lost, but people were disrespecting him. I was like, don't do that. He won legit. And then Combo Fiend sees me afterwards. He's like, 
good thing you lost joe <laughs> and i was like shut up bro <laughs> i just wanted to get to him so that uh you know i could have done something i think i would have lost but at least i would have done something yeah but hey, shout I guess out, I did something. Shout out to Chris Schmidt. If Hell you're yeah. listening, Joe Zaza wants his run back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm a train up to actually fight him, but maybe. Dude, aside you know? from that, yeah. I mean, I already asked you about supercuts. And if you feel like it would come back, you already said that maybe under a different name. Do you feel like you have any other unfinished business in the FGC as a player? As... Just as an organizer. As a player, no. Um, you know, I'm really flattered that you brought me on. I was really flattered when, uh, like I said, I acquainted myself with you at Rebillionaires because yeah. you fought me. I didn't really even know clearly that you were the best in the room uh, at the time. But That's so crazy uh, to I, think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was off the radar so long that I didn't know what I was stepping into. Uh, I thought Juan Carlos was really good. I remember that. Uh, but then I fought you, and I was like, no, no, no. This guy's even above, like, everybody else, you know? But I thought... You know, like I said, all these motherfuckers who are playing got rockets up their ass, you know, so <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't know how just yeah. how the big wide the margin was. But yeah. when I fought you, I was like, you making this game feel like X-Men versus Street Fighter, yo, <laughs> like you're doing like flying screen juggles and FSD, you know, like you're doing you're doing some really crazy technical shit. And I think I maybe because I had given you props that endeared you towards me or whatever it was that made you say no i respect you a lot i used to look at you at james games and this and that and i was like what but it's true though because back in james games like in the 2006 2007 2008 well 2008 was kind of late but oh definitely 06 and 07 i would get bodied by you and by rick rick used to beat my msp yeah. with hulk dan and i think blackheart <laughs> yeah he used to use blackheart doom commando too yeah and he would yeah. whoop my ass with that team and i'd be like what am i what am I doing wrong? Uh, well, I mean, if you want to talk about discouraging, and then I would try to, and then I, I one time I saw Rick playing uh, X Men vs Street Fighter, and I'm like, oh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> and then he picks like Dalsim, Dalsim and Juggernaut, yeah, yeah. and Juggernaut can cancel into like his little his little grab. Yep. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. So he's shout making out, everything safe. Shout out yeah. to Rick, man. Yeah. Um. So you were giving me props, and understand from my era, you were only as good as your last game. If you lost you suck everything about you sucks your shoes suck everything you <laughs> suck as a person you know so anybody giving you respect after you lost was like you fucking with me <laughs> you know like that's literally how i reacted when you were like talking to me yeah, i was yeah. like i was rolling my eyes like okay here it comes the mind games you know but then you were like sincere yeah i mean you know? i don't i don't forget i don't forget where i came from and and who used to beat my ass it and tripped all that. me out it's just it really tripped me out yeah like uh and so i liked you i was like whoever this guy is you know he, that's what's up. and then later i learned who you were uh, later i found out oh shit you know like this guy's the king of the game now and um you know i know it might be arguable for you because i heard your origins uh podcasts and you were breaking it down year by year and you were talking about the struggle so yeah maybe you were going through your struggle but you know you were you were fucking people up so I was like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't even know that uh, I had, uh, you know, rub elbows with yeah. you. I didn't even. And so that's why I came out of the podcast, bro. That's, that's why yeah, I came yeah. out. Dope There's a lot of history, man. A lot of history. And that's why hearing everybody's story, it's it's really refreshing. Because there are some things, that, there are a lot of things that you experienced that we didn't get to see. And the right. questions that we never got the answers to that you clearly 
were there firsthand or you heard mm-hmm. or whatever the case was. And that's what it's all about is getting the story out there. I can't believe we've been on three hours and... Dude, I, still, I know, man. I still got shit to talk about, but um, yeah, um, we do have some uh, some community questions. Uh, Quest for Life from YouTube. Uh, he wants to know: Did certain characters from Marvel Two make you more involved with Marvel Comics or Capcom Comics? Shout out to Quest for Life. Thanks for the question. Uh, this question is a little confusing, but I'm gonna try to answer it. Uh, I was into Marvel lore, like Bionic Commando and other obscure uh, Capcom games. Oh, yeah, excuse Bionic me, Commando. Not Marvel lore. No, Capcom lore, excuse me, yeah. It's Capcom lore, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Spencer. Uh, yeah, and all of those characters that had showed up as assists or main characters in Marvel versus Capcom 1, I, I knew where they were from. So I was so invested in both Marvel and Capcom lore prior to all of this happening that it didn't really make me more involved with either or, you know? Like, if you want to ask that question, ask Combo Fiend. He worked for Marvel and Capcom. He's <laughs> like, don't ask you know? me. Yeah. Ask Combo Fiend. <laughs> uh, anonymous, anonymous user is asking, uh, can you describe the satisfaction when you beat top players with double Wolverine? Uh, it's always a hard battle fought. I appreciate every match that I win. Uh, I got to deal with a lot of politics every match even in the casual realm you know beating top players with that shit (laughs) like it's almost like gotta be apologetic and i'm not but like they hate me like i can't even show up to a casual they will make sure that they will make sure i'm not in the rotation or that they get up from the machine before i catch them because (laughs) it will expose them and i understand that you know all the top tier players you know uh, they don't want to get exposed like that and it took me a long time like i used to back in the day i used to think like damn why are you being such a you know like a sissy about it you know that's how i used to feel but over time i realized you know um i'm putting throwing a lot of shade on their shine by by winning with low tier so it's not it, it, to be honest to answer that question it is never satisfying to win with low tier <laughs> well it's, it it's definitely never. it's definitely satisfying to the people watching it there's yeah. this video on youtube if you uh look up mbc2 joe zaza there's a video of, of you joe versus sue mighty yeah and on the description of the video all it says is fucking right yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's one match yeah one match i won't tell you who wins well but um, it's super entertaining to watch preppy just uploaded like uh, a month ago or so Sumaiti versus Zaza at Pentland Hills. So you guys want to look up Sumaiti versus Zaza? He fucks me up in a tournament match. I think it was the same venue, same time. And and the match that got uploaded with the fucking right as the description, that is a casual match. So, you know, he took me in tournament. You know, Sumaiti, he's mighty, bro. Like, so... I always put myself down. <laughs> Dude, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Uh, anonymous user says, uh, he's asking, with all the top players using God-tier characters, what made you stick to double Wolverine? Because fuck them, that's why. <laughs> like, any, look, I'm almost like Kanye West in this sense, you know? Like, shout-outs to low-tier God, too, because he's kind of like the Kanye of the FGC now. Oh, you know, any publicity is, is good publicity. Yeah. But he's like crazy. See the, he's yeah, crazy Kanye. He got that angle, you know, any publicity, even bad publicity is good publicity, you know, like, and he's smart. He, he makes his money, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's the ultimate value of everything, you know, but uh, what I'm trying to say here is that when somebody says you can't do something, and this is where I'm speaking folding into my inspiration about Kanye West when somebody says you can't do something 
that's the thing. It's like, why not? You know, and I don't, maybe the difference between me and Kanye West, perhaps, because I don't really, you know, the mind of Kanye West is such a fucking puzzle. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm more divested from my ego about it. Like he's borderline megalomaniac, uh, Kanye. Right. You know, like we, we, we really can't tell. All we see is the effect, not the intent, right? But uh, that's the thing with me. Like I really don't care what accolades or praise come to me through doing this low tier shit. All I want to do is get up in your ass, you know? All I want to do is fucking get on there and kill you and secure the points, you know? Like, so uh, when people say it can't be done and then I do it and I still deal with that cognitive dissonance, like they just can't compute. Yeah, I can't accept. They won't. And all the denial comes and right. they'll even go on a fucking online tirade uh, recap talking. about this, the, 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 their encounter with me. And I'll be like, whatever, bro. Like, it, who are you going to believe? Me or your own eyes? <laughs> you know? <laughs> ah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So um, it made me stick to it. Like, you know, when people say it can't be done, that's good enough motivation. I think that's where the, the, the respect comes from. Even from people that you never knew personally, but they know of you because of that history. It's because you stuck to your guns. And Sometimes I feel like Eddie Murphy saying that his uh, tombstone is going to have the donkey from Shrek on it. <laughs> <laughs> he said they ain't gonna remember me they're gonna remember the damn donkey you know like my name joe zaza is double wolverine like it's yeah. inextricable synonymous yeah. yeah uh this is a question that i had for you and it was uh it's what advice do you give to the newest fgc members who wish to pick up marvel 2 or any fighting game in general do you recommend that they start out with the retro games or should they stick to the newer stuff which is more beginner friendly <sighs> That's a tough question. Okay, so... It, it is tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, with all the online resources and everything, yeah, that's that's a great question because it's like, do you It stick? is a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, look, play what people are playing. That's my advice. You know, retro games is a tough sell. I mean, you probably know because of all this, the, the you know, the work that you put in to try and attract people to continue playing Marvel 2, 22-year-old game, and me for Third Strike. And all of the guys who continue to organize Third Strike's things. The thing about the retro games is some of them uh, stand out and speak for themselves. They're, they still stand on their own legs. They're good games. But you got to realize that the new players, they, they come back to retro games for clout. It took me a while to notice that, that they're tourists, that they come back mm. so that then they can go back to five, back to uh, four, and brag and say, I'll play, I gets down on third strike, I gets down on Marvel 2. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> card carrying members of the FGC or people who lurk with their backs up against the wall. The first time I ever saw a lurker at Camelot, I was like, You post on SRK? Yeah. Are you in the tournament? No. Why the fuck are you here? <laughs> Get your back up off the wall. Dance. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> Like, I was like, what, a lurker in real life? I saw that in the mid-2000s for the first time. And, you know, what, what I'm trying to say overall is um, if you like fighting games, play the fighting game you like. And it, people are probably going to gravitate to the ones that have uh, the most players. Play that. If you want to get into this retro shit and talk to the old heads like us, then, you know, don't just be a card carrier. Realize when you come to the retro games that you got to do more than carry a card. You got to play. You got to get 
go through the learning curve, even if it's a fucking brick wall, you know, break through the brick wall like the Kool-Aid man and get good. (laughs) And then uh, help, help, because we're still trying to get people to play these games that they'll deny on the marquees of the high ticket tournaments. You know, uh, you guys were talking about the the Sony uh, Evo that you guys just went to. Right. And you guys were talking about the logistics and how hard it was. And I was like, God damn, you know, we're still hurting. Like, we yeah. we got a procurement problem, you know. So if you guys want to, you know, uh, slum into the retro games, help. That's my advice is play play the games that people are playing. Play, if you're young and you're going to play those games, do it. But if you're going to come and hang out with the old heads, help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I think that it's the the resources aren't just readily available anymore. It's not just it's not just show up and play anymore. Right. Yeah, no way. It takes work, as as you know from the setup that you had at your place. The with player hat's cuts. not just it's not good enough. It's not good yeah. enough anymore. But yeah. but you got to get good. You got to be a good player and then help. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's a it's a collective effort. Yeah. Um, Joe, I, I know that you did want to give out some special shout outs. Got, uh, so I'll I let you. A group of shout-outs. I'll let you I'm, knock I'm, that I'm out. Rattle this off. Unload Roger that. Yeah. Unload. All right. Look, back in the day, the FGC was split into crews. So uh, here in SoCal, we had the random United Nutsacks, the Run Crew. So I want to shout out Combo Fiend, OG Dash, Chaotic Blue, Corn Nuts. He housed me for Evo 2K2, Devil X, and anybody else I missed from the Run Crew. My bad. NSJ, get the leader definitely, Conqueror, Ace, Taiji, Papa Trunks, the Greater Force, Mike Ross, what up? Magnus, Crow, Self Science, Hungbee, Trance Boy, San Diego Crew, Jay Snyder, Long Tran, Tong Ho, Ed So, aka Jaha, I just shouted out Genghis and Shady K, by the way, Carnival, Justice Ballantyne, anyone I missed from Nickel City off Carmel Mountain Road who greeted me when I went out there. Jose Garcia from Team HP, Huntington Park, Julius Jackson, Manny, a.k.a. Junior Bermudez, JP from Walnut, and any other cross-handed Mexican KOF player I ever fought. (laughs) (laughs) Team IE, OG Misfits from Muscoy, Highland, San Bernardino, Rialto, Manny, who owned Gladys Games, Lalo, Renee, Copy, he's out in Scandinavia now, Mike Hatcher, a.k.a. Mike Chaos, Dante, a.k.a. Captain Quarters. Justin Jordan, the Dark Prince, kicking it in Laos with Chunkster last I checked. Ruben, Rebillionaire. Ruthie, New- uh, Ruthie Wynn. Lalo, Juan Carlos, Crispy, Free Lunch. Eugene from Bel Air and Pro Swap Meet. Ted, Core FGC, Alex Vayed, Duck Vader, Joey Cuellar. Tragic, James Chen, Shin JN, Sick Dick, Rekakan, Javi, Flip Mine, Jack Shu, Image, JR, Omni, Derek. Gummy drop for all the games and Puzzle Fighter and having regular human conversations with me back at Golfland when nobody acted like a fucking human. <laughs> Rena and her boyfriend. I forgot her boyfriend's name, but she was a female gamer. I got to shout her ass out. Cactus Boy, John Yamamoto, Jason Nelson, Dream TR, Jason Wilson, Tao Duong, Potter, Clockwork, Killer Kai, Sumaiti, Reset, Amir, Fat Toy, Chunksta, Mike Zymont. Uh, Vegeta X, VDO, my OG Third Strike Heroes, Ed Ma, Paul Lee, Ken I, a.k.a. Sex I, Tom Shin, a.k.a. Arlieth, Arlieth, Tomato Tomato, OG Kings of SF, Tomo Ohira, Tony Tsui, Mike Watts, Thomas Osaki, Jeff Schaefer, Jason Afro Cole, Graham Wolf, James Games, David Lee, Lon Bond, Asian and Arab Eddie, Trenchcoat Mafia, old homie who used to rock the silk Japanese shirts and lose his shit banging the arcade when he lost. We nicknamed him the... <laughs> smash brothers and we ain't forget you the judge that old 1982 pinball wizard who used to tilt the machines 
Tech Bonus, Misha Ross, aka Dignity Sustained, Jake the Snake, Aaron Henley, a- Andy the 8-Bit Hero, the Welsh Weeb Goddess, the Arcade Maid, and of course, Rick the Owner, OG Super Crew, What Up Neiman, Luca, Juan Meza, Sanchez, David Mayer, aka Lord Wolfgang Krauser, the New Schoolers, some of y'all inspired me too, Mark Teddy, Chris T, Tatarian, he was at the first James Games Street Fighter V tournament, Chris G, I met him at New Super, uh, F Champ, Kane Blue River, Infiltration, Smug, Punk, Ryan Gutierrez, Gutex, I heard you're a dick in person, but your trials and tribulations have inspired me. Shout outs to Mike too, Mike Ross for chappelling the industry. Sorry I haven't visited you at Barcode yet. The Man, Nerd Josh, Scott Sai, the OG Sal Padilla, a.k.a. 25 Sal, Wednesday Night Fights champ and content creator Bafael, old FFA crew, Frankie Third Strike, a.k.a. Hehe. Are you Hehe, Frankie Third Strike, trolling and recording everything online? We still don't know who the fuck Hey Hey is, but if it's Frankie Third Strike, shout outs to him. Pyro Lee, Rennick, Ricardo, Kazzy, the Boiler Room Boys, Five Star, B Trans, Sherwin, Cruz, Juan FM, Red Venom, aka Big Game James now, Tenren, my fucking hero, Van Bush, Mr. 12, Phil Her, aka Jamboree, Neil Mesa and Ryan Bracamani from San Diego, Duralath and Green Joker, you're an asshole, Duralath, but I still love you. Vincent Perino, aka Snooze, Don from Don's Arcade. KD Alpha, Mo Prem, Sien Chang, Yuki Spencer, Deshaun from Dallas-Fort Worth, Arizona players, Saber, Charlie Goblin, the whole crew that welcomed us in 03 and 04. Sorry if I forgot you guys' names. Las Vegas, Jason McGlone, a.k.a. the homie APOC. I love you, APOC. Danny Leong and his brother Philip, Ruin, Gunner Mexi, he's up north now. Il Murray, a.k.a. the Barber Walters of the Third Strike community. NorCal, Choi Boy, Spider Dan, Dave Serlin, one of my brother's good friends. Seth Killian, don't know if he started up there, but I know he's in L.A. now, a vague idea. Tony and Tom Cannon, Chris Schmidt, Randy Liu, Rhinox, a.k.a. Ryan Bracamani. Make sure you have a heaven spot saved for more masterpieces for your fallen homie, Braver. Brandon Caldwell, Cheney, a.k.a. Dr. B. I love Dr. B. I never met Dr. B, but I fucking love Dr. B. The goddesses Sophie Ortiz and F-Sung Cookie. Jason Kwan, Rolfo Castro, Ritana. Hawaii, Golden Nismore, DJB13, anyone I miss, forgive my Alzheimer's. Midwest, Cameron, blood urine, I love you. Clifford, the big red dog. The whole crew who <laughs> greeted me that one night at Elm- Omaha FFA with the big can out, uh, cab out in front when I was stationed at off at Air Force Base in the cold. You guys greeted me out there. I don't know all of your names, but the Midwest is dope. Chicago. I don't know anyone from out there, but I saw you all local motherfuckers at Combo Breaker doing your things. So shout outs to Chicago. Minnesota, Bing Breezy, a.k.a. Lasco from up in St. Paul. He's a keyboard warrior. Ruben Aiden, a.k.a. Big Bad Wolf. Good Hugo player. Michigan, David Hernandez, a.k.a. Venkabot. Venkabot used to compete with me in the Supercut stream, and he always had the number one stream for Third Strike. Tyla, a.k.a. Murderface, doing his thing from Manassas or somewhere out in the green Virginia woods. Don't let anybody clown you for the Xbox control, boy. North Carolina, Exodus, he ain't out there no more, but for running TFC for so many years. And my man Trey in Supercuts. Juju, the Atlanta player from down south. Decky Scrub. New York, Mutant XP. Shoutouts to Jazzy Circuit. Nick KO, Frank NY, Frankie NYC. Anti Shoto. He's got a Greek last name. It's Popoff Adopolis or something because he likes to pop off. <laughs> L.I. Joe, Justin Wong, Yipes, Wigfall, 360, Sanford, Executioner. Y'all inspired me. I never really crossed paths with most of you, but y'all inspirational. 
New Jersey Fighters Destiny. Teen Hearts on PSN. He's a fucking Terminator Ryu player. Yes. Uh, he goes on Fight Cave by World Warrior. Good fucking player. OG of the fucking New York scene. Teen Hearts. I love you. East Coast OGs. Eddie Lee. Art Sanchez. Art Sanchez received my brother Rick in Philly a long time ago, and I'll never forget that. Shoutouts to Sabin and all of Team Spooky. Anyone who plays at Arcade Odyssey in Kendall, Florida. OE Trolls, Yish Hunter, Pai Zuri, Iron Man Combo, Jay Sneeds, y'all some of the worst fucking trolls on PSN. G4 Knight, I still love all you guys. Fito Guitar Love, shout outs to Mexico, Sinaloa, and DF. David Enciso, Saraki Kanai, Ruben Enciso, aka RL Sparta, De Nayarit. Jose Saravia, a.k.a. Burphy, Lance from Alaska. Kiyokuji, a.k.a. Canadian Lance with the white can and his Excalibur crouching medium kick. <laughs> Jinrai, A.C. Slayer, a.k.a. Arthur Choi, Art Choi with the Kara Palm King. Mark oh. Arxer from uh, Alberta. Love you, brother. Uh, Jonas McNally, a.k.a. Deadman from Montreal. Martin from the Golfland days. He got deported to Argentina, but I still love you and we miss you up here. Oh, Shotokan from Rhode Island. Gutter Trash Crew in UK. Alabama Man from France made a fucked up 12 video to troll 12 players, but I still love you, Alabama Man. Luis Paredes and Gustavo Rojas de Peru. David Torres de Venezuela. The Hadoken Dojo Gamer Crew from Chile. Leonardo, Francisco, Diego, Ninochi. Todo mi gente que todavía está jugando y organizando. Te agradezco por su apoyo con mucho amor. Uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Papua. Australians and New Zealanders, my heroes from Japan, Chikyo Sodom, number one, Kuroda, even though he's a perv now, Mester, Yakun, Tokido, Daigo, Onuki, MOV, Momochi, Rikamaru, Yamoda, Kuni, Kokujin, Tominaga, Sugiyama, Pino AB7, Hayao, RX, Matsuda-san for holding down third strike in Japan, Boss for always holding up every, uh, CVS2, shoutouts to Silent Scope here in SoCal for holding that game down too, and of course, Supercuts, the core Supercuts people, Luna Amor, Lil Grimms and his brother Wolf Eyes on PS1 Control, Tristan Davalos, aka Ghost Train, Gauntlet, aka Jerome the Homie, Cody Hover, uh, Hoover, aka Cody Third Strike, Seth Gallagher, Brodacon, Kufo Jesse, he's in Ecuador now, Hookie Dookie and his brother, Mad Booty Sweat, <laughs> Money Man Dan and his family, RIP Irene. Stone Gamer, Champion, Real Deal Neil. I know that you guys have history with Real Deal Neil, but I still love that motherfucker. Uh, Empath and Frank the Tank uh, for always coming down to Supercuts. VW, Philosopher and Respect the Ages, Sick Dog, Johnny, a.k.a. P.O.P. Frank Garcia, I think he's out in Ohio now. High Rankin SRK, Ironhead, a.k.a. Justin Swoboda. He's up in Oregon now. Rico, a.k.a. Takaru. He also left Cali. Alan McGowan, the Tekken player. Reggie and the West LA crew, Tsubaki, Marasaba Bruja, Lenny Cortez, Christos, the Ontario Babies, Tanner Priest, aka Killer White Shark, Hard Skittles, Art is Hard, and his brother Sailor Sanji, Alex, Dy Dynamic Punch, I remember you, Los Chinos, the Boy Koi, In the Fall, Jordanak, Bird, Eli the Eel, aka Shockmaster, Green Giller, Ben George Briston, Juan, aka the LPMM, Nat, Didi, Ava for the photo at the going away at James Games. I missed you there, Chaos. I didn't see you. Uh, you, you left a little early. OC Boys, Epics the Red, aka Epics the Friend, Tyler, Maverick Hugo, and Ninja Alex, Minotaur, A1 Sauce, Grayson from Riverside, the Isai, Decoy Mantis from Cap Compton, Part of G, Shane Marquez, who just got into the NBA program at UCR, congratulations. Riverside Ride, Kraken Atkins, Undead Fred, and Skull Bay, a.k.a. Sailor Bay, Brandon Inman, 
uh, Raptor, aka Brandon Collins, True Gamer, Absolute Value, Ultra Lord, Steven Trailer, aka 16 Bit Tron from Victorville. I'm almost done, you guys. Semblance from San Diego, Smash Crew, Mystic and Kingslayer, Final Gambit, Mori, True Ace, IESB, Omega Cyclops, Heartlisp, Ocean Bones, Low Pro, Sea Fresh Kid, Dr. Sleepy, Ronin Hot Sauce, Lee Husan, aka Young Haas, uh, you fish beard and junior neck special shout outs to anyone who did any backstage work like providing their venue or put in work promoting hosting commentating david love skeletor b packs sagemu 83 i love you drudas bloops mama bloops and his sister danette akuma batosai and shirai what's up jedi illist myra and william neal myra chom from dabs and calves ahmed hernandez aka the mexican ninja brotocon Anorak, Surrogate, Arcadium for our first webcam. Team Rico, the man who started the UCR thread, Joe Ha, a.k.a. Colossal Skills. Chip Chai Sawong, Lucky Asian. Walter Lai, Waldo 98. Thomas Onajart, Tom Tom the DJ. Marcos Mata, Keishan Caraway, love you. Oscar Oriana, the Dark Mage. Nam Tai, a.k.a. Namco, a.k.a. Strider, hear you. Pep, Jesse, Deus, Bill Wellman. Donovan Macria, Don Sama Bin Laden, Tom Pham, Scary Tom, Ademola Thomas, Christian Garrido, Mike Ortiz and his brother Paulo, Quiet Oscar, a.k.a. Bloodsin, Lawrence, a.k.a. DJ Jago, son just became one years old, congratulations, Jalbert, a.k.a. Pigadokin, R.I.P. to your brother James, and I'm sorry I never got back to your DM, I love you, brother, Paul from San Bernardino, miss you too, fool, Emil Bacalia, Miles McHale and Melissa from Tilt, and I'm counting David Ammons. Uh, tell those S ranks on 5K to give you a chance. Rest in peace to Tao and Reynaldo Nguyen of Mass Systems, like Alex Vaya said, the original FGC blacksmiths, and shout outs to their surviving children, Tony and Alex, the reasons for the horse and dragon symbols on their original designs. And my closest friends, Quentin Taylor, aka Action Hank, Richard Boyd, aka Low Roundhouse, Brandon Jackson, aka Zulu, Dante Boozer, aka SoCal Boozer, Tony Romero, aka Transman, locked up but not forgotten. Carlos Alviso, a.k.a. Tron, Cartron Zero, Quentin Fairchild, a.k.a. Gate. Anyone I forgot in this beautiful community, forgive me if I left you out, but big up to fighting gamers everywhere. Shout-outs to my family, Pops Lafferty, and my sister, Hedia. And last but not least, my brother, Ricardo Jr. Rest in peace, Dostrick. And my mo beloved mother, Delia. Uh, my mother used to say, happiness is not a matter of circumstance. It's an act of sheer will. So be happy, because joy gives us wings. And mad love to females anywhere, everywhere, even the ex-wife. I won't talk to her anymore, but God bless. <laughs> Everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> Roger that. Roger that, sir. Wow, man. Uh, to be honest, uh, closing things, but Joe, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the podcast. Joe, man, pleasure, brother. Thank you for Sorry for the man. long shout out, guys. Nah, man. You know, it's I exist well in a deserved. space. You know, I exist in a space between family and community. And this community has always been there as my surrogate family. So no matter who I talk shit about, no matter who I uh, reveal stories about, it's always in the context of love. I love everybody in the FGC. I love fighting gamers everywhere. Well, so, if there's one thing that we want to cement from this episode is that all of your hard work, all of your contributions, it it definitely is recognized. Uh, and I want to make sure that everybody else, out, everyone who's listening or who may share this with anybody else, guys, share this podcast so you can hear Joe's story. And let it be known that he is definitely a pillar in the fighting game community. Uh, once again, brother, pleasure. Good to see you. You look fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. And uh, well, hopefully, we'll see something from you in the future. That's whether right. whether it's a new it's a new group, it's a new uh, 
venue to go to. Uh, we look forward to it. Slow in the crock pot, but it's boiling. Yeah, it's simmering in its own yeah. juices. Exciting, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Once again, uh, I'm going to throw Joe's uh, social media links in the comments. I'm sorry, in the uh, description so you guys can shoot him a follow, do what you got to do. And uh, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for everything, guys. And uh, just special shout out to uh, Tony Poets, which was Tony one Poetry. Of, What's yeah. up, Makoto? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So Joe actually knows him. So shout out to you, Anthony, and then also uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff rocks. He also plays a lot of uh, Urian as That's well. That's my boy right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right, guys. Hey, just reflector. Yes, sir. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Take care, boys. Thanks, everybody. All right. Peace out.